Hey, what's going on, guys? Eric Carter here. I'm with Dale Holmes. We're hitting the podcast, and uh, we finally roped him down, pinned him down. We got Hollywood Woo! Mike Miranda. He's here. Glad to be here. <laughs> so happy to be here with two of my favorite guys, by the way. Two oh. of my favorite guys. And my wife's two of my favorite. <laughs> two of my wife's favorite guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for doing it, Mike. I know we talked about it a bunch of times, and you're one of the big hitters that we've been trying to get on here, and uh, we finally made it happen. So glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Uh, you know, now that my, my kids are all excited about it, and uh, and yeah, Dale, thanks for being so patient. You know, I know it's with the crazy schedule that I keep, it's, uh, and yourself too, with all your clinics. It's it's tough to, to nail it down. Just just for EC and I to get together it's, yeah, it's yeah. not that easy, and we work together. It's hard for us to get together. Yeah, I'm excited EC's here yeah. as well. Obviously, he's always a big hitter on our podcast. People love EC and his stories and his knowledge and everything <laughs> he's done, and to, right? to add him into the mix as well. For, I guess, first of all, where, where, where are we at? Maybe listen, tell the listeners where we are. Well, right now, we're sat at the uh, Hyper Design Studio in Carlsbad. So, uh, I don't know if everybody knows, but Hollywood is now working at Hyper Bicycles. Uh, it was... Man, it's a dream of ours for us to be able to work together. And we had that briefly when we were at GT. We have tried very hard for decades to try to do this to, so that we could work together because, because of the relationship, the very special relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. Right. And the synergy that we seem to create when we're together. Correct, correct. So My wife would say tornado. Yeah, not, but... just, not just because, of, because you know, uh, we're brothers, if you will, but... There is a synergy that we create, and, and it's a positive one, and, and good things happen when we come together. So, um, yeah, we're here in the design studio, uh, and this is we have a corporate office, which is in New Jersey, and that's where Clay and Judd are. And then you have um, you know, Clay's, I, don't, I think we've had this thing for like seven or eight years, maybe even longer than that. Um, it was here before I came on to, to Hyper the second time around. But yeah, we got a design studio and now we have a, a second building. This building is expanded. So we have another warehouse that'll be very soon. We'll be warehousing uh, bikes that are going to be available to purchase our Nike project that we're working on. I'm sure we'll get into talking about that, but um, yeah, Carlsbad, yep. California. What do you do? What do you, what do you, uh, we, all, well, we, we also have an office in Bentonville, Arkansas, and we have two large warehouses, one here in California and one in Savannah, Georgia. Right. Yep. So it's a it's a lot bigger than people imagine. And for the ones that don't know, you came from GT Cannondale, right? Yeah, correct. I worked for uh, Durrell, the cycling sports group, which is GT Schwinn and Cannondale, and I've been there for quite a while. And uh, and mongoose. And mongoose. <laughs> Dude, when I wrote for mongoose, when I wrote for mongoose, I told all of our teammates, <laughs> "Hey, we're going to be like the stepchildren. Nobody's going to care about us. We're going to have to have our own backs." <laughs> and awesome bikes, man. Yeah. Awesome bikes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I was—I'll say I was lured away by my younger brother here, mm-hmm. who's, who we, we finally saw an opportunity where this could work and we could get together, and it—it uh, it has been a whirlwind of t- the last twelve months. Mm-hmm. Right? It's been fantastic, and uh, the, certainly the highlight of it all is being able to share the time and and to do what we get to do together. Right. You guys come in from, from the Hutch days, so 85-ish, 86? 85-86. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have a story Mike, within a story, you know? Mike approached my parents in, I believe, in 85 at the Grands, I believe, right? Well, first, first at Orange, at Orange Wise, where, along the fence. 
So uh, Hutch, who was a fantastic sponsor, great guy and great family, he, you know, some team changes were being made, and I asked, hey, listen, he was starting, we'd like to see some changes. And I said, hey, listen, if you want a powerhouse team and you want to get more coverage, which was one of his complaints, I go, I can do that. I can help you do that. Just let me get some, let me pick a few people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I had, in my mind, I had a couple of young riders that I knew were going to be the next, going to be, we're going to be that superstar rider. Mm -hmm. And the first one on my list was Eric. Mm -hmm. And uh, and part of it was the family he came from. You know, mm -hmm. I I looked at that it was stable and supportive, and I knew that the talent was there, and I was a big already a big fan of him and his parents. So it was an e it was an easy choice to make him my first spot. And look what I did, pretty good kid, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, he, he still, did all right. I'm still working <laughs> with him today, which is amazing. And you guys obviously went through the the first GT with with uh, Eric, and that's where I you know connected you. In the early '90s, when I came out, obviously I'd seen you in the UK, but um, I was going to say that's not our first connection. No, no, but you wouldn't. You know, I was a little guy when you. You came. were on a hay bale. Yeah, I was a little, little. Yeah, yeah, I was a little, 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 little dude when you came out in the mid '80s. Um, but obviously, you know, coming to ride for GT, he was GT mountain biking. You was um, what was your job title at GT? The first GT. Uh, soft goods product manager at that okay. time. Yeah, I started off in the marketing department and then saw an area that we were not making. Uh, headway and we weren't we weren't concentrating on accessories and so I approached Richard directly and said uh, hey there's a place where we can make more money mm -hmm. and if I'm if you make more money I can make more money mm -hmm. and so it worked out great we, mm -hmm. we started rolling with making our own pants and all, all the accessories right yeah amazing well, I guess we'll get back we'll hit back on GT shall we go back a little bit earlier how did it start how did you find BMX how did I find BMX? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. I wanted—I—I I didn't want to be a BMX racer. I wanted to race motocross. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a motorcycle guy. As and, many as many do. And that's you know. <laughs> yeah. And my my dad wanted me to be a boxer, and I wanted to be a motocross racer. Right. And then my mom and dad were so adamant about me not getting a motorcycle that I just started saving money. And they said, "Well, what's this?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to buy a motorcycle." I said, "No way." So then I said, uh, some other other friends of mine were riding BMX bikes, like motocross, and they, I said, well, I want to race BMX. And they said, no. Then I started, I said, okay, well, I'm going to race more, motorcycles. Suddenly BMX was okay with my parents <laughs> after the motorcycle incident. So we got, I, I got to race BMX based on junior high school league. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, they have when he was when he started racing and where he started racing. Yeah. He lived in Riverside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, they had junior high school mountain bike league. That's oh, how it started. What year was that? Uh, 70, BMX league. I'm sorry. Seventy six, seventy seven. So at school. Yeah, you raced. You raced. You raced for your school, <laughs> and you raced by grade. It didn't matter if you were fast or slow. You raced whatever grade you were in, and you raced against all the other junior high schools in the area, and that was your team. Was there anybody else would know who was involved in that? Any names there, there that was came a, of when, that? Yeah, when I was an eight, when I was a seventh grader or eighth grader, there was a a kid that was a, uh, I think he was barely a sixth grader. Which sixth grade was in was in with us, and he smoked everybody. He's fast. First person I ever saw do a two pedal start. <laughs> it was amazing. World champion Lee Medlin. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Peddling Lee Medlin? Peddling Lee Medlin. Yeah. I never but, met him, but he was done before I got here, but I know who Kawara, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Well, he was uh, GT. He was GT. He was GT before Kawara. Okay. He was one of the very, fir- very, very first Is he the GT real estate that- guy now? Yeah. Yes. Okay, he's pretty did good in real estate, right? Help, help me get my house. Yeah. Okay. I know my neighbor across the street was a real estate guy, and he always says, you know, yeah. Lee Medlin. He's, and, yeah. he's yeah. Rides mountain bit. bikes now. Yep. Huh? Super, super nice guy. Right. Great guy. Hasn't yeah. changed a bit. Yeah. He's, Fantastic. Hasn't changed physically either, man. He's no. still super fit. Yeah, super lean. Super fit. Yeah. yeah. He's peddling me peddling. Right. <laughs> He's still peddling. He's still peddling. Yeah. So he was he was the first guy we saw. He was he they they made him race the oldest class, eighth grade, because he was so fast and he well, smoked him. Yeah. He was the first guy I saw speed jump, first guy I oh, saw really? Yeah, everything, the whole nine yards, but he was great. First guy I ever saw that had his own starting gate. And thanks to his dad, uh, and and Lee, I got to go do practice gates. Mm-hmm. Didn't help. I was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> Dale, I can tell you, I was terrible. So was for you years. A, was, was was you a? I, I don't know really your amateur career. Only really kind of because there really wasn't one. I was terrible. Really? <laughs> when, when, you know the three motos. I would get eighth, eighth, and sometimes seventh if somebody fell and I went around them. Right. But I was the guy in the back doing little cross ups with a big smile on my right. face, having a blast. Mm. And uh, but it, it, that's what got me hooked. I enjoy riding my bike, and mm-hmm. I enjoy jumping my bike. Yeah. And uh, a funny story is my dad, who was you know was an amateur boxer and boxed in the army and and was uh, and really trained me mm-hmm. to become a boxer. And you know I worked out to become a boxer. Well, he finally went. You know I kept going to races, so he finally went to the races, and he went out and he watched me race, and I came around and he parked up. Up on the second turn at Corona next to Tinker Warriors' dad. And they were just, you know, they were doing a good job recycling back then. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, so I came around the track and I'm in last place and go go by. You know, and, and I'm in the back and I have, there's plenty of room and time for me to look up and see my dad. I think I might even wave to him because I was going so slow. <laughs> anyway, second moto, I come around, I'm in last place. I look up and I see my dad and he yells, pedal me, wall. <laughs> and uh, I keep going around and... The third lap, third moto, I'm coming around, I look up, and my dad's not there. So I get to a race. He left me at the track. <laughs> True story, oh, my dad left me at the track, and Thanks, I had to dad. ride. I rode 13 miles back home on my bike. And when I got home, I was like, Dad, what happened? And he just said, oh, mijo, you're no good. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> True story, dad's left me at the track. Oh, man. That's how bad it was. But he also knew how to push my buttons, and he knew that that would motivate yeah, me. Yeah, and it did that, obviously. And it did, yeah. It took, it took years. I raced for two years before I got a trophy. Oh, wow. And the trophy I got was, if you got, f- they only took three people out of the semi to mm-hmm. the main. So if you got fourth in the semi, they gave you a consolation trophy. Oh, wow. That's my first trophy. Wow. Still have it. So when did you so get good? So what do I have? Yeah. What's that? When did you get good, though? Uh, about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no, not until uh, not until the mid uh, it's eighty eighty three. Which depends on what good is, right? Well, like good amateur, you know, winner nationals. Uh, and, and again, and... again, I don't know. I, then I was never good because I didn't really win a lot. I mean, I won a I won a UBR race. I won a. You know, I didn't win. Who did you ride for? Who were the teams you ride for? Was that amateur for uh, I started with Steady Peddler Bike Shop. Uh-huh. Then I went to Riverside Schwinn, which just became RRS. Mm-hmm. 
And when they said I could, I could, I had to write an RRS, and I had to stop writing my mongoose. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I can't do that. I couldn't. It was heading was too steep. It didn't mm. match my style of writing. Plus, I was afraid of breaking it because I jumped so much. And then I went to uh, BS Bikes, Brian Skura. Yeah. Oh, okay, Brian. Yeah. Oh, I got it, Brian. Yeah. yeah, Brian Skura, BS Bikes, maker of the dirt skirt. Right. Uh, and it was funny when I raced for Brian Skura. I raced. If I raced in Orange County, I raced for Brian Skura. If I raced in the Inland Empire, I raced for Lightning Express Trucking Company. Oh, wow. I had a split sponsorship, <laughs> which lasted for about a year. It's kind of crazy, though, when you think about it, because it's not even that far now. No. Like, back then, it was like, oh, my gosh, yeah. you're racing out in... Yeah, those Hemet. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, and that that came to an end when uh, when I got caught with his daughter in the van. So that was the end of that sponsorship. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then Right, right then, I was uh, Scott Brighthop gave me a one of the first quad angles, STR one, mm -hmm. and uh, and gave me a sticker for my helmet, and that was my first really sort of factory sponsor. It was mm -hmm. just a free frame and a and a sticker, and so I raced that for a couple of months, and was you know same thing, doing okay. When I won all the local races, the double pointers, triple pointers. But when it came to nationals, you know, I, I, it was lucky to make the main. I was doing okay. And then um, Roger, there was a, the next first race of the year was in Washington. And Roger Worsham, who had a bike shop, yeah. was Coast Wheels Bike Shop, said, hey, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, he asked me, I was in the shop buying something. He said, uh, yeah, I'm going up to Washington. Are you going? I said, no, I don't have a ride. And he said, well, if you wear my jersey, I'll give you a ride up there. And I was like, Sure, heck yeah, because my parents could not afford to send me anywhere. I, I used to mow lawns and, and basically bummed rides to get to races. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he gave me a ride up to Washington, and and uh, I got fourth place. You know in, who won? Sixteen expert. No, I, I think I don't remember who won, but I can tell you who got third because he he pimped me in the last turn. Mike Buff. Oh wow! Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. yeah, yeah. And neither one of us ever forgets that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also have to tell you about Mike Buff story afterwards, because because I have a podcast before him, so I'm going to tell you the story about it. Right. Anyway, uh, so uh, on the way home, Roger Worsham said, "Hey, man, I'd like to. I'd like to. I'm going to start a factory team, and I'd like to put you on." Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was like, you know, will you pay my entry fees? He goes, "Yeah." I'll pay for, you know, and I'll give you a ride to the races. And I was like, heck yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So uh, upon my return, I stripped my bike down and I drove to Scott and I walked in unannounced and said, Scott, thank you so much. I got a great offer from somebody. I want to hand you, I want to give you the bike, the frame back. He mm -hmm. didn't ask for it back. I went to give it back to him. And dude, he tore me a new one. Cursed me up and down. Oh, wow. How what an ingrate, how in, ungrateful I am. I was like, and I was blown away. Yeah, I thought I was the doing the right thing. Yeah. Oh, that's the way I was raised. Yeah. You don't take something you Most don't Most people use. don't take the bikes back. Well, with my dad, that's how you were. I was mm -hmm. raised the old-fashioned way. And so, yeah, he tore me a new one. And and we didn't we didn't speak for years after that. And mm -hmm. he, he held it against me. Wow. And, I mean, I get it. He, he thought he saw... He he thought he found the next Eric Carter, mm -hmm. and just when I just when I started doing good, I left yeah, him. I understand. So I, I don't I don't hold a grudge against him, uh, but then that started right. CW. Right. I was I was the beginning. Andy Zierzo and I and a, 
and a few other guys were the beginning of CW. Mm -hmm. And just the right time and the right place. And I was motivated to do better and to train harder and and just worked out great. Yeah. Then and then from there... Then he was Hollywood. Yeah, then I was Hollywood. Who, so who gave you the name Hollywood? Steve Guyberson. And it was not a, it was not a compliment. There was a guy <laughs> yeah. at Corona Raceway, there was, they also had a motocross track. And one of the, one of the pros over there was a guy, a guy uh, maybe I should leave his name out of it. It was a guy that was not, not fun. He was not, he was not the crowd favorite. He was, and he was kind of a mean to some of the, the beginners and whatnot. Anyway, so, like, I used to flag. I used to work at the, at the motocross track mm-hmm. to make $15, but really I got the best seat in the house. Mm-hmm. Well, he was one of the guys who would go, hey, kid, and he'd turn around and he'd roost you. You know, I was like, oh, man. And, and when, so when someone did something you didn't like, he'd go, oh, don't be such a, let's just say Steve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, don't be such a Steve. Right. Well, he shows up at a race with his jersey, and it said on the back of his jersey, Hollywood. And we're like, oh, God, man. So at that point, it was like you did something really dumb. Oh, man, don't be such a Hollywood. Right. Well, I go, I go to the races. One, the, one of the times that my dad went to the races, went to the races, and I had forgot my jersey. I had no, all I had was a short sleeve T-shirt. And so back in the day, you could not race or even practice in a short sleeve shirt. You had to have a jersey. Yeah. And so rummaging around in my dad's car, I found, we found a long sleeve shirt. A long sleeve Hawaiian shirt with a big collar and a big floral, floral print, and he had been using it to check the oil in his car. Oh, <laughs> so it had yeah. black streaks all over. It was terrible, but I wore it. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming down in one of the races. Steve Guyberson happened to be sitting in the shade right next to the announcing tower, and Craig Kundig, the owner of RRS, was announcing. Mm-hmm. And and he go and Craig goes, hey. Uh, and in last place, Mike Miranda. <laughs> and as Steve Guyberson said, within earshot, he goes, oh, way to go, Hollywood. And Craig Gundig said, it's Hollywood Mike Miranda in last that place. And that's it. It's stuck. Wow. It's stuck. And that's how it started. So it's not a compliment. But since then, I've tried to live up to it. Right. <laughs> and I still do. In your way. Yeah, absolutely. In my way. I yeah, still try absolutely. to live up to it. I mean, it picked, and when you guys came to England, I mean, I mean... It fits was, you perfectly. Yeah, yeah. It, it fits really your did. persona and your, and your personality. Yeah. It Probably. Does. <laughs> no, it does. Absolutely. Mm. Well, and as, my, as, as Eric said at my wedding reception... She knows exactly what she's getting because this is who I am and right. how I am twenty four seven. Right. Yeah. That's right. This is this is this is genuine. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Just yeah. a kid that fell off his bike too many times without a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a window licker. Right. <laughs> so moving into pro, you know, starting to make a little bit of money. Well, so yes, CW. What happened was. Uh, as I was uh, at a race in Arizona, and they used to have a, a Monday race afterwards in Chandler. And uh, Bob Madrano, who was from Northern California, Skyway. Skyway, right? yeah, he came to England. W- yeah, yep. in in uh, in the amateur ranks, he was my nemesis. He was my nemesis, and because he was also a fast rider and a great jumper, and I loved his style. Uh, that was a that was about where the things that we did the same was that ended. He, he was a different lifestyle that I right. I still I love the guy. And we liked rock we liked rock music. So uh, he turned pro and uh, and we were good friends and that and he won the Monday he won the he won Sunday 
as a, as single A pro. And he was so excited, and, and we went to his hotel room. He's like, dude, dude, I want all the money, dude. <laughs> he goes, and he couldn't count. So I helped him count it. Mm -hmm. And we were on the counter in the bathroom, putting right. it down, and we are making the notes on the, on the, in soap on the mirror. Right. And it was like, oh, my gosh. It was like $400. Right. I was like, dude. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember leaving his room, and the next day I told Roger Worsham, I'm never racing the amateur again. Right. I turned pro the next day. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, I, I kid you not, from that day forward, I had a whole different career. Mm. I, I, whether it was, I think it was the money that motivated me, but mm. from that day forward, uh, I was fast. Mm -hmm. I, I started winning immediately. Yeah. The next race. No, you did, actually. The next race, I started winning. Yeah. It, did it you was, do like A Pro and then into AA? Yeah. And I, it was I, news. I, the, the magazine articles were, uh, you know, there was always pictures because it was, because it was like a switch had flipped. Yeah. And I, I won, I won uh, was it 18 races, 18 single leg races, 13 in a row. Wow. Um, the, uh, I was the first single leg to ever win Pro Open at Lancaster. Yeah. That had never been done. It's I unusual because like, you have a completely different path, didn't you? You're a top amateur, dominating, then everyone's waiting for you to go pro, and it's a bit, but yeah. I was a total loss. I was a terrible amateur, and, but when, I, when the when the light switched, it switched. Mm. I was, but but our stories are similar in the fact that I I was I was a terrible amateur before. Young, I wasn't that good at all. I mean, I struggled right. a lot, and then for me, uh, you know, I told the story on on, yeah. on the podcast where I was literally driving to a race, and I decided right. I remember telling my mom, hey, I'm, if I don't win this weekend, I'm quitting. And it was a big thing with her. She, well, I ended up tripling and winning everything. Mm -hmm. And it was a light switch for me as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was that motivated me to decide. I just got tired of be getting beat, I guess. I right. Know. But it's similar in, in that capacity. I just started a little bit sooner. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, it, Dale. It is crazy when we talk about the things, the parallels that we have in our life. Yeah. And the thing mm -hmm. It's nuts. The, the fact that we started on, you know, hand-me-down, cheap bikes that were inadequate. Yeah. And that, you know, we struggled financially and, and that we... We were lucky to get to races, right. and that and that from those meager beginnings, we kept digging at it, mm -hmm. and because we enjoyed it, and right. and mm -hmm. somewhere along the way, that light switched, and yeah. it led us to where we are today. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, my my amateur career was nothing to be to talk about. Kind of a little bit like Carl Bennett, almost unheard of as, as an amateur. Yeah. You know, a pro a little bit, kind of knew who he was, skinny little kid that was had some style and stuff. But then all of a sudden, yeah, the the switch. Kyle, um, Kyle was yeah. that way, man. I, yeah. I I can remember always watching Kyle. Stumpy was kind of like that for me as well too. I remember watching Stumpy, and I remember telling people. I mean, Stumpy won some amateur stuff as well, but mm -hmm. before people actually knew who Stumpy was, right? I remember telling people like, dude, that kid, yeah, it's got it because he was always so hungry. Stumpy would race you to 10 feet past the finish line. Yeah. And he would bike throw a, for fifth place yeah, yeah. in a moto. Yeah, no, definitely. You know? And I was like, dude, that kid's hungry. Mm -hmm. You know, if he figures it out, he's mm -hmm. going to be something. And Bennett was the same way. Like, he was a really smart racer. So mm -hmm. you could, I used to always watch races. I watched a lot of the motos. Study. I would always study, mm -hmm. watch, and study, because and, you learn where oh, things yeah. happen. And uh, I would always, Bennett was always really smart, man. Yeah. He was always, he wasn't very strong. As you know, he was real skinny and stuff, and so mm -hmm. was an amateur. He wasn't, he wasn't that good, but 
he would always find a way to plug in and make that. Man yeah, he knew when to back off. You know, some riders just even some of the best guys today don't know when to back off, which yeah. sometimes results in you know injury. Yeah, just throwing you Bennett, in the back. Bennett knew when to back off and he, when, and not. he knew, he had that from the time he was a young amateur. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't strong and powerful, and then once he grew into his paws, mm. he, uh, you know, he all of a sudden he was. You know, I mean. Arguably one of the best dudes to ever do it. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. so funny to hear you tell the story because it's the story I tell of you. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the guy that, you know, you're the, you're one of the amateurs that I watched. Right. Because, I, you know, I, I always hoped that you would hit the gate because <laughs> yeah. those were the most exciting races. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would take bets with anyone. Let him flip the gate. I, I bet he still makes the thing because yeah. he, was, he was that guy that would, you know, he was... Not always the strongest, the fastest. Never really grew out of the gate, to be honest. Never was. Yeah, but what, you, you could count on him riding a smart race and, yeah. doing, and doing just what he needed to do to make it to the main. And then in the main, I, I hoped he was in second place until the last turn because mm-hmm. that's where it would happen. Yeah. Just be, pick, pick them all off. There's not many guys like that anymore. I don't know how much you guys are paying attention to current race. And we've got a, a new guy, not a new guy, we know him, but you, new for you guys, a guy called Kai White. I know he is. A little... Tall guy and is uh, he won the Manchester World Cup and same thing like I yes, almost say to myself I hope he hits the gate because it's so fun watching right. it come through and he's like uh, he's pretty awesome I relate him to you as just standing at the is uh, for new school guys and you don't see it much he's just sitting at the waiting on turns okay guys come on come on I want to do my he's yeah. like waiting you don't see that much anymore right. especially with the speed they're going today but I I really like that about about Kai White you know yeah. just he's, super fun to watch he, yeah. yeah his track his track speed is phenomenal. And so what that gives him the ability to do, right, is when you have faster track speed, you have the ability to be patient because you, you don't have to pass going into a corner by diving. Mm-hmm. So you have the ability to create what you need to create, which is you can go into a corner and you can, you can pinch people down. You can force people to, to, to block the inside, right? You can force people to block the inside. And then you can swing wide, and you can and be, you lead with exit speed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and you yeah. can see he has he has that figured out. Mm-hmm. He understands, and but it's what's amazing about it is to be able to do that in the new school era because yeah, the way the corners are hard. shaped now, yeah, they're so fast. It's so fast, and so people can dive in. But he's really smart about using the other riders to get to protect his position, and mm-hmm. he's he's a phenomenal rider. I've yeah, no, I, I I love watching the same thing. Like, like man, I hope he gets well. I'm not bothered if he gets a bad start. It's going to be just fun watching it. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> that's one, of, and he's one of CK's guys. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. So that's good. All right, so CW. Yeah, so uh, yeah, CW to tour. Well, so one more thing about CW. I want to end this. So I first single A to win Pro Open it was a big deal. Oh then, yeah, and then, uh, and that was at that same race where I doubled. I was just before the race. I was five dollars short of turning Turn double A. So I, I milked it to the very end. Right, right. <laughs> and then the next race was the, the USGP at Magic Mountain. Mm-hmm. So that was my first single A, first double A race, my first big race. Was you getting salaries and stuff, continuous yeah, yeah. And so but, you started to so, bank some money? Yeah. So I, I well, not as much as I like because I, I, I supported my parents. I, I did what I could for them. The, uh, and I spent money, bought cars and, you know. Stuff. Fast stuff. Life. Stuff, yeah. yeah. The, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was guitars and whatnot. Happening. Anyway, so my first first races in April was uh, was Magic Mountain, and I won. In double A? Yep. How yeah. much? Can you remember how much? Sure. Uh, it was, it was, 
thought it was a five thousand. Yeah, it's a five thousand dollar check. Wow, I think it was a big. It was one of the big ones. It, it was, was a big. It was a standalone event. It, yeah, it was a standalone event, and it was the biggest purse of the year. How old would you have been? Twenty-one. Uh, wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah, um, and I remember being. You know, I'm just a kid from the, you know, from the Inland Empire. I remember getting the check and going right up to Skip Hess, the owner of Mongoose, and asking him if they could cash it. Did you already have a lot? You'd already spent it? No, no, uh, just because, you know what? Yeah, yeah. He's here. He's Give probably got that on him. Yeah. He owns Mongoose. He's probably got that on him. Right. Hey, man, can you cash this check right now? And I remember him looking at me like, what are you, an idiot? Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. But to bring things back around to what happened there is, uh, that's where Scott Breithop had the bus. Yes, mm -hmm. he was at the event. And I want to tell the story because it's important to somebody that's alive today. So uh, I, was, I happened to get on the bus, and we were in the back, and they were playing, you know, it was uh, Rock the Casbar. Right. Yeah, 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 time, yeah. everyone yelling, having a good time on the bus. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm sitting, sitting towards the back, and Scott Breithop gets on the bus, and he's laughing and joking. And, he, and through the crowd, he looks back, and he sees me on the back of the bus. And he stops the music, and he says... What is that guy doing on my bus? Wow. And uh, it was silent. And somebody stood up and he said, Hey, man, that kid's cool. He's all right. He can stay. He can stay. It's Perry Kramer. Oh, go ahead. Perry Kramer stood right. up for me, man. And I told him this a couple of years ago. You never forget things like no. that. And I've always been grateful to him for that. Yeah, good and, guy. Uh, yeah, great guy. Mm. Great guy. So from that point on, uh, I raced, I took, I rode for CW. I had an, uh, the year, a couple of years, for a couple of years, and then I had a, an offer to move in. It was, you know, I wanted to move in, move out of my folks' house, and uh, I, so I moved in with my best friend, Tommy Brackens, and we rode for the same team, mm -hmm. Torker. And uh, that was amazing. How frustrating was it, like living with Brackens, like doing sprints and stuff like well, that? I'd probably be you think that's frustrating? Head straight away. <laughs> this, this whole act yeah. of Tommy Brackens True. being a nice guy is just a facade. <laughs> you know, you guys don't know he's horrible. He's a terrible person. He's so mean. Right. Abusive. Yes. Oh man, he can't. No, <laughs> I can imagine that's like living with Levesque though at his peak. Like how much it would mess with your head. It's just no. so damn fast. You no, know? no, no, yeah. no. It, just the opposite. We had a deal. Tom, Tommy is uh, as close to me as Eric. Mm -hmm. We are, we are family. I mean, right. we both moved out of our parents' house into the same place together first time. So we that experience will bond you forever. And he'd just come from Powerlight, right? Powerlight, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we just started a new team. We we lived. We this lived above, the apartment this. above, uh, we had Magoo, oh, who my. worked for Max, our sponsor, right. and our team manager, lived below us. Live below us. We I all lived together. Person, no. Yeah, we were all together. Oh, that's so cool. Imagine um, Magoo right. Hollywood right. on the daily. Oh, man. What else was Magoo doing then? Just Max? Max, just Max. Just yeah. Max. And so living with Tommy was fantastic. We had a deal. I, we lived right by Parks, and we rode at Parks all the time. That was like a trail thing? Yeah, right? yeah. It was like a practice track. Mike Franzi built a real practice track, mm -hmm. harder than most nationals. Mm -hmm. um, so we, I taught him to jump, and he taught me to sprint. And, and he would, what Tommy did was, this is a little secret, Tom, we did sprints. We never did sprints in the morning. We only did sprints at night. Because you ride all day mm -hmm. and then get tired mm -hmm. and then do sprints. Because doing sprints when you're fresh, everyone can sprint when they're fresh. Mm -hmm. But doing sprints when you're tired, 
that's where you separate the men from the muffins. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and let me tell you, what, that helped my career, helped and lengthened my career. I mean, I won a lot of won, won a lot of big races on Torker. Yeah, you did. Yeah, thanks thanks to Tommy. What was your, some of your highlights? Uh, 1984 World Cup. You won that? Murray, yeah, Murray World 5G? Cup. Five G. Yep, another five G. What was your bonus? You remember? No, I don't remember anything. But you probably like Greg Hill was saying, you know, on his podcast. Um, You'd have so many co-sponsors, though, 200 that's from him, 100 made, That's where you made all your money. So it's the same for you, probably, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and I was pretty aggressive. I was pretty aggressive in... I wasn't aggressive at, at managing my salary. I was really aggressive at going after bonus programs right. because I knew that I had the confidence that I would win. I can see where you get it from, EC. Yeah. Yep. Inga bonuses. Yeah, give me bonuses. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, hey, listen, I'll tell you what. You're gonna pay me. You're gonna pay me sixty grand. Why don't you make it fifty-five? Right. But let's increase all my bonuses. Right. And they think, oh yeah, sure. But yeah, then you, smart. But then Very you smart. go and win ten races. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've 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 made fifty fifty-five grand more because of it. Mm-hmm. Who's the smarter guy? So I was I was always uh, very conscious of making a dollar from my efforts, mm-hmm. and uh, so it worked out great. It worked out great that I negotiated the contract that way. In the end, it didn't because. <laughs> what happened then at the end of Talker? I know we got questions. I know somebody asked some somebody asked something about the end of Talker. Uh, get... at, at some at some point, now this is my theory. I'll tell you what happened, but this is my theory. Um, what happened was at the end of summer, uh, I come back from a tour and I'd won several races, several large races, mm-hmm. uh, and Steve, the owner of Torker brought me in his office and said, "Listen, uh, it's not working out. I don't think this is going to work out for us. So uh, I, we're going to part ways." We're gonna, and I was like, "Well, we're under contract." Well, doesn't matter. We're, we're going to part ways. We're, we're not going to pay you. So just he stiffed me. Wow. For four months of salary, but more importantly, all of those bonuses. Wow. And so I left his office, uh, just bumped and zapped me. And I said, okay, well, I got time. I'll search around. But I'm going to take my time and I'm going to find the right sponsor. Did Talker go on as a company then or kind of folded? Shortly after that, we went out of business. Okay. So my theory is he was cutting his losses and trying to recoup as much money. And one way to do it was to not pay me. Right. And it was a considerable amount of money that, he, that really he wasn't going to get anything from because mm-hmm. I just won all these races. That's a that's and that that story is a is a very familiar story that happened back in those days a lot. Hey, it's still happening now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's you know. easier just to you know, and and the threat of a lawsuit was not enough to right because if you know you're going under, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. And now same for Tommy. Uh, Tommy lasted the. He, they kept Tommy on for a couple more months, and then right. Tommy jumped to GT. Right. Uh, and I left, and I had a meeting with. This is a. I had a meeting with Redline. I, yeah, I, I had two offers on the table. First, I talked. First, Hutch called me. We talked about. We talked with Hutch, and he made me a good offer, but I had already made a meeting with Redline. So I said, "Well, Hutch, I, you know, I would like to say yes, but I have, uh, you know, I have another. I have to be responsible for my career." And, I have, uh, you know, I, I take care of my parents, so I've got a respons- financial responsibility. So I went to Redline, and I walked in the office to meet with Redline, and Scott Clark was sitting there. And I thought, well, I'm not going to negotiate my contract, my salary, with the other pro there. Mm-hmm. And, and so they started talking about money, and, and he said, yeah, we're going to pay you this much. And I said, well, how much does he make? <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't want to tell me. Right. And I was like, well, wait a minute. He knows what I make. I want to know what he makes. Yeah. And so they said, well, they're going to pay him more because he's going to do the travel arrangements. And I was like, no, 
I booked my own flights. I don't need to pay him to do that. Right. I want to. And, I, and he, I finally, I, just, I stood up and I said, let me think about it. And this is no lie. I walked out of the office. Right across the street was a phone booth. <laughs> From that phone booth, I called Hutch and said, you got yourself a pro. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it was a gr- best move I ever made. Had the time of my life. Uh, loved the Hutchins family. Mm-hmm. Um, had the greatest time. And because of that, because of that experience and the time I was on Hutch, uh, I had the 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 opportunity to spend uh, a dream team. Dream team. We had a dream team. Yeah, man. We had such a great mm-hmm. Charles. Yeah. Lee Zaydow, Mike Luna. Yeah. Now Hutch. So Dr. that Hutch. was you weren't part of the Monty Gray, Steve Veltman Hutch then. You I was. Kind of, oh, you no. Were, when we yeah. first started, when we first, like I said, it was a transition in the team. Yeah. Right. So when I started, yeah, it was Monty Gray, Steve Veltman, Liggins. Uh, Liggins. Britta Dude. Gronzik. J.G. Gronsick. Um, I'm, I'm Toby? No. I, I was Toby's replacement. Okay. Yeah. And I was conscious of that, so I really... So they clipped Toby, did they? I, I, don't know the, I don't know the details of why that separation mm-hmm. was, but I know that Toby was super close to them as a family. Right. And so I knew I had big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. Plus, Toby was a big name. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know... Anybody, anybody that rode for Hutch was welcomed in his family, though. Yeah. That's how it felt. It really was a family. Mm-hmm. When you went to stay at their place in Maryland, and you... And you did. And you did. Did he have money in others? He was doing other stuff, like property or something? Or that was all his... He would know. I, I don't know. Yeah. He, he, I was, just... he worked for Sears, and he was like the... I believe he was the manager of the appliance department. Mm-hmm. And But he had started doing a BMX bike, and it took off like gangbusters, especially on the East Coast. It Is he still alive? Yeah. I'm sure he's got yeah. some great stories, that guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he does. Yeah. I'm sure he does. I know everyone that rode for him does. Yeah. We all had great stories. We had the best time. Um, the young man from Texas, Haas, uh, Jason? Johnson. Johnson, yeah. yeah. Great kid. Another, another big guy. Big dude. Right? Big. Yeah. I called him Haas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I, I want to remember him, too, because another great, I mean, great times. And then it all, same, same thing, man. Uh, BMX took a turn, and 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 he didn't turn with it, and it was began well, those, uh, financial hardship. And, and those uh, those super mini bikes that he made, that Rich and uh, ended up Rich was right. Rich and Luna were racing them. Yeah, the gold bikes. Yeah, yeah. The, but they were they, something went wrong with those bikes. Something went wrong with the production, and he had invested a lot of money, and I know that really hurt. Yeah. He had a bunch of bikes breaking, and you know. and then he was early on into bringing bikes from the Orient. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pro Raider, and was a great idea, but it, again, just dude. I remember Brad Moore. There was a there was a race at Gillies. Yep. And Brad Moore jumped. You know, it was one of those whoop table deals, and he decked out on it, and the thing, the frame exploded into five pieces. Oh wow! Yeah. I didn't realize which broke. But... Yeah, because yeah, there was no gusset. Yeah. It was thin wall tubing. Yeah. And I think, I think what happened was they didn't get heat treated. Yeah. And they were just they were exploding, mm-hmm. exploding. But time of my life, man, I had a great time. And well, we, let's, we, before we move on after Hutch, I want to, because obviously it's a big thing for me, because that's when you came onto my radar and you came to England, you know, talker, first year 84. Yep. 85, um, 85 on Hutch. Kellogg's, let's, let's talk Kellogg's a little bit, because a lot of, lot of English listeners. Man, like I and, said, the uh, time of my life. Yeah, amazing. To, it was amazing. You guys, first to, time we saw to, you guys. To be able to tour the UK and meet all these new friends. And, uh, and 
and to go to different tracks and race in different weather. It was just a phenomenal experience. Mm-hmm. And again, for, for just a kid from, from the Inland Empire, it was, it was a great experience. First race was uh, Hounslow in London. Hounslow. You came second behind Roop, and we all kind of saw our cool, you know, obviously it was a nice, cool, funny guy, but your style, you, was a lot, you had a lot of style on the bike. You Love know, to and, jump, right. and I remember riding practice with the local kids and having a great time. And uh, I remember there was a few things I remember most was, uh, oh my gosh, the track operator from I think she was from uh, Nottingham or Birmingham. What was uh, her name? I don't remember her name. It was uh, sort of a bigger lady. Whether her, her kids race BMX, she was the nicest lady. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they made lunch for me. It was great. Mm-hmm. I just, the how nice people were it was mm-hmm. totally different than what it was in the United States. I mean, there's even clips of you guys getting off the bus. I mean, the kids were, were we were was probably one of them. We're all waiting for you. You guys really were rock stars oh. when you came uh, both those times. It, you well, know? it was insane. Maybe. It was great. It, it was awesome. And I'll tell you one thing: the probably the my biggest memory, two biggest memories from doing the Kellogg's was uh, get shooters win. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Gef Shua. Shua. Yeah. <laughs> I always said, Gef Shua. I, said, I think I'm misspelling it or something's wrong. Right. It's not the way it's spelled. Yeah. Anyway, Gef Shooter's win was phenomenal. It was great for the sport. It was mm-hmm. great for UK. And first time I'd ever seen, when he after he won, the entire crowd started singing some song. Right. It's yeah. a local football song or something. Yeah, probably. I'd yeah. never seen that before. It was awesome. Right. Wow. right. Yeah, it was great to have the whole entire crowd as team singing a song. United. For, yeah, United yeah. for you. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah, well, it really made British British history. It was coming second and past two. It was raining. Past two, um, going around the first turn. Hey, don't let the rain. Side. The rain doesn't yeah. deter. He won that race. Yeah. He, I, I've heard other pros at the time were making comments about that. And I was like, dude, he right. won. Yeah. He raced the same track we did. Mm-hmm. Had the same tires. Listen, that kid won. That right. was awesome. I just I remember he ran his bars forward. Yeah, yeah. Red, well, he had such a short, he had a red line, yeah. uh, you know, whatever yeah. the top two was on the thing. And the second thing was, the day, we had a day off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as always, when we have days off, a lot of the American posts would go to the mall or go shopping. Right. And I didn't do that, man. And uh, Andy Ruffle stole me. <laughs> Andy Ruffles stole me right. and he had heard that I grew up on a ranch and had horses right. so he decided we were going to go English horse riding right. <laughs> and so we went to he, yeah, dude, he took me somewhere to some indoor stadium right. and he had arranged two horses for us to ride oh, cool. with the English saddle and the knees up by your right. ears and dude he, he goes, okay, Hollywood, you go first. Right. <laughs> I go around, and, and it was, you know, I had to jump the pipes. Right. And, dude, I did the biggest endo right. ever, <laughs> way up high, way over the horse, and launched and landed in the in the muck. Mm-hmm. And I remember just getting up, being all dazed, and looking over there, and him just laughing his ass off. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, man, Andy Ruffle took such great care of me over there. And then he, you know, Andy was the uh, co-presenter of the show alongside racing, both both 84 and 85. And then he kind of, did he bring, because you all started doing a lot of the TV as well, a lot of the interviews with him and Mick Brown. Yeah. How I, did that come about? Obviously, they kind of picked up on your personality. and That was and, it. And, I think yeah. Andy, from day one, right. you know, we were kindred kindred spirits. We were, right. you know, we enjoy having a great time. Yeah. And we enjoy helping others around us have a great yeah. time. Yeah. And that works out. Really, I always thought he's the Hollywood Mike Miranda of the right. UK. Yeah, no, he really was. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and I say this to this day. You know, I I, I will do everything I can I, to influence anyone I can. 
to get Andy into the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Because if there's one, I don't know of any one rider on this planet that's done more for BMX mm -hmm. and to promote the sport. That's important. There's mm -hmm. no other rider on the planet that has done more to promote BMX. It's a shame Andy more Ruffle. people don't know that, you know. It's, well, uh, it's because we mm -hmm. have the, you know, the, the United States, we look at a very narrow window. Mm -hmm. uh, and Andy's, you know, done more across the globe. Mm -hmm. All the television he does. The phenomenal rider he is, but more importantly, the, the personality and what he's put himself out there to do. Yeah. It's just a great guy. And to this day, I'm he's fun. a Hollywood Mike Miranda. Yeah, no, he really is. <laughs> yes. I, I've said it before in a podcast, but... It's scary if Ruffle calls you up and he wants to go for a drink because you're, you're out for a few days. It's, it's a big one, you know. Hey, Dale. <laughs> you should go with me for a drink. <laughs> same yeah, deal. Yeah, it's the same deal, man. What yeah. about the um, English? I don't know if you guys were married and stuff. And what the, the English girls, you know, fans, uh, drinking beer how did, in England? Uh, I had a great... I have and had always had a great time with my buddies. Right. It's always my first priority. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was not married at the time. Um, and if I had, if I had, in your, in your language, if the chance was to be with my mates or a bird, I'd always choose my mates. Right. I'd always choose my mates because those are the lasting memories. Right. Absolutely. Birds are dime a dozen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Birds are dime a dozen. I'd right. be with my mates. And man, the, the pub crawls we did. Because obviously you guys were, how old were you been in the Kellogg's then? Obviously you could drink whether you was in your yeah, 20s or not, yeah. you know, the English uh, early age. Early 20s, but you know, the funny thing is, is I, I really didn't drink much then. Right. Um, but I had a great time. Mm -hmm. and, and again, the pub crawls were fantastic. Did the birds all like your accents and stuff? Funny thing, mm. right? Yeah, they love the accents and, you know, dressing the way we dressed and acting the way we did. And yeah. Not being shy, certainly not being shy. We had a great time. Yeah, I could only imagine. Yeah, yeah. double A, double A. That was it. insane. <laughs> you know, and, and one of the best experiences in the UK was when we went over for the Worlds in Slough. That's right. Yeah, we. It's our first time having Indian food. Oh wow! Yeah. In London, obviously, yeah. we're down in Slough. Yeah, yeah. so he's... and we went. We went to an Indian restaurant the, the night before the races. Oh man! And we found out about tandoori chicken and. The next, the next day we were at the races, right. all of our fingers were red, right. and we all looked like we had clown lipstick on. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Who couldn't get it off? It was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. But we had, I mean, again. Yeah, tell happened. us a little bit about Slough then, obviously. Worlds, um, great races. Slough England, great, 86. Great, yeah. great, great track. Um, tough competition. Mm -hmm. I mean, much more so than... Uh, and obviously there was the a lot of the English guys didn't race, Ruffle didn't race. There was a big political thing going on with Gary Llewellyn. Yeah, Charlie Red. Gary Llewellyn was banned at the time right. uh, from England from something he'd done. The English guys said, if Gary races, we're not going to race. Gary's like, I'm racing. And a lot of the other English guys uh, didn't race. So Gary and Charlie Reynolds were the only two that raced against you guys. But again, there's enough for you guys where it was still pretty, pretty deep and uh, legit yeah. for the title, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was... Well... That was a tough track too. For the, I mean, that was, the, the, I think Tommy ended up. Tommy Brown, yeah, 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 that, that was, tells you that was some Nick Kimman down the first straight. Tommy yeah. and Tommy and Texas were and both Sean Texas. Yes, Texas, yeah, yes. Tommy and yeah. Sean Texas, they and were, that tells you what type of track it was. Yeah, yeah. That, that horse, the premium was made on horsepower. Tommy, yeah, dude. and yeah. and there's, I don't know anyone that had more horsepower than Tommy. Back that right. drag all the way, the drag all the way drag, on that, all, all around the first around, corner. Yeah, the second corner was just. Oh, it was really it was just a straightaway with a bend in it. Yeah, literally you just stayed on it. 
How was your, as a, as a rider, was you, one of them guys was third, fourth, okay? And, and, you know, few wins here and there, or was you, was you angry if you didn't win? Did you want to win, or you just happy to kind of be a consistent... Well, that's a great question. I, yeah. I think that when I wanted to win, when I put a premium on it, yeah. I wanted to win. Right. Um, I, I, I can't say I was ever happy with third or fourth. I got, I, I had, I worked really hard on technique, mm-hmm. so I really worked hard on gate starts. I had a good gate start. Yeah. And, and you I did, tried, yeah, yeah. I'm even in England, we picked up on that. Yeah, and I, and I tried not to make mistakes. Right. Like Eric Roop, we were usually the two smallest guys on the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, between Sean Texas and Gary Ellis, all, they're all, Stu Thompson, they're all huge guys. Yeah. And we're, we're two little puny guys, but we got good gate starts, and we worked up really hard on not making mistakes and riding, mm-hmm. riding smooth. And so what that, isn't if I got fourth on a track like Slough, mm-hmm. behind Tommy <laughs> and Sean Texas. That's okay and, then, yeah. yeah. Gary Ellis. Yeah. You're, you're, you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, no, yeah. legit dudes. If, if we went and raced the, a, a track that had super big jumps and huge doubles, mm-hmm. Tommy, would, Tommy and Sean Texas would be feel the same way. They yeah. feel, if they got third or fourth, right. they wouldn't be mad. Yeah, so you guys chose your battles then. Yeah, you choose your battles. Right. What about the English guys? What did, you know, we talked a little bit about Geth. Uh, you spoke about Ruffle as, as, as on, you know, Tim, Tim Marsh. Marsh. There, there, yeah. uh, what, what did you think of the level of the English riders at the time? Or Oh, I, I think they were, they were very good. I think they were at a distinct disadvantage because... You know, riding with you, you know, Dale, riding with faster riders makes you faster. Yeah, yeah. And when you ride with faster riders all the time, it yeah. makes you faster. And I'll say one more thing. When you have to ride in the rain all the time, mm-hmm. that's going to, in my opinion, when mm-hmm. you ride in the rain all the time, but most of the best races are in the dry, mm-hmm. it's a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So I think they were, they were, at, I think everyone else was at a disadvantage that didn't race in the U.S. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but certainly strong riders, stylish riders, and at that time, Showfield. Schofield. No, no. If they oh, told me, I, if they told I mean, me, yeah. I had to. They told me on the bus, right. Hollywood, you got to stick to the schedule. Right. Stick to the schedule. Right. Every day they were yelling at me to stick to the schedule because right. I'd be hanging out with the kids and not getting back to the bus. Right. And then one day I said something about Schofield, and I said, Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! How come it's schedule, but it's not Schofield? Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. to this day, he's Schofield. Right, and that's for but, those, those who don't listen. That's a top English guy called Craig Schofield who actually went on to be. World champion and a class below you, which Correct. was super class. Great rider and, uh, and stylish. And, yeah, yeah, good rider. Good just rider. dominating English, um, dominating English amateur, and uh, one of our first, you know, big time world champions. Nineteen eighty five Canada and a good guy and a great guy. Mm-hmm. So, and my last little bit on the UK was I remember when we got there, the year one, they gave us they gave us a they gave us a translator. Right. <laughs> what are you a translator right, for? Right, when you go north. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he was a cockney. Right. I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Right, yeah. And then when we got all the way up to Gateshead, mm. we raced in Gateshead. No, yeah, we even need him for there, yeah. Dude, Northeast England. It was yeah. like three yeah. people that couldn't understand one word each of them were saying. It right. Was I forgot you went to Gateshead. Gateshead. Yeah, that must have been an eye-opener for you guys up there, right? Oh, I'll tell you what. It was an eye- Northern I, England. And, and it was the track was built on a dump. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that mm. until it started raining. Right. And it started raining, man. <laughs> Whatever was they were dumping in there, right? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, he, it was. He had to wash your uniform two or three times to get that smell out. Right, yeah. But, dude, the track was great. I mean, again, it was a fantastic experience. Mm. And for for a young man like me to to from from a meager background, you know, yeah. uh, to, to to experience what I did, 
without wearing an army uniform. It's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah. And to make friends that I made around the world, you know, I have, I have, I have family. Mm-hmm. I have family. Still, yeah, that's I, the thing. It's, it's, yeah. it's not that it's like, oh, that's in the past. Like, those are the same. Yeah. Those people now, that's what, I think I, that's one of the cool things about BMX is you still could call those people. You could, you could land in the UK right now and say, hey, man, I'm here. And if that person's available, I'll come pick you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Ruffle, let's go get a drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See everybody in a month. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's three right. weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know. See everybody in a month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean you, go to, you, go to, you go to Holland. Mm-hmm. You call up Kereduce. Yeah, yeah, you take yeah. take care of. Yeah, definitely, yeah. absolutely. Over the Kostwinder family. Right. They took me in. I, I, I lived with them for a few weeks. And Adi van de Ven. I mean, Leon Wall Robbins. Those guys are just... Mm-hmm. Those were my mates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, you went to Slag Aran and uh, Paris, it. so maybe a little bit yep. on those two yeah, well, so uh, countries and racing I'll there. I'll just say that, that uh, Holland was like home for me. Mm-hmm. We I all loved, loved Holland. Yeah, great times loved, there. Yeah, great times. And mm-hmm. again, like uh, I stayed with Adi van de Ven, um, and he was, he was my... He was my was my best friend. Yeah, great. yeah, and, great and rider so, as well. So, yeah, a dude, lot of those Dutch, very under. I've said it before, but under in the in the American side, you guys uh, that went there realized that you know you probably Wilco and Phil Hugendorn, guys that nobody else really knew till you went there and raced. Like, wow, these guys I never heard of. I can't even say their name. Yeah, they were. You know, really fast. Those you know, guys were fast, yeah. yeah, yeah, strong. Were, yeah. Well, you know why? Because and I know why. The bread and ham for breakfast. Well, I think it no because they have training. Mm-hmm. They, you go to your club, yeah, yeah. yeah. The BMX, and you go and you train. Mm-hmm. And I went, I went to those clubs and trained, and mm-hmm. it was, it was serious. Yeah. Those, serious. Guys are, those guys are, those guys were the for, the those names you named. Those are the forefront of what now technically yeah. now what's happening now, and you see how strong the, mm-hmm. the Dutch team is, and it's it's because that foundation was laid. You know, those were the heroes to you know some of those some of the it's now getting into third gen but mm-hmm. you know five six years ago when the dutch team was really starting to, to ramp up those those people knew who those those were young kids at the time yes. they were looking up to those kids, mm-hmm. those guys and i think bass the kind of getting bass was the younger guy in that generation yeah he was he was and then he crossed that he, over he, into yeah. what's going on now you yeah, know yeah, so, he, bri- he bridged yeah. that yeah but those guys were, mm. those guys were fast man those goes were some fast. Same, France had the same group, you know. Those well, easy gears, yeah, and, and Lolly. Mm-hmm. John Francois Lolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy yeah. Was fast, yeah, yeah, Mongoose. Yeah, yeah, because he came to the Kellogg's as well. Yeah, yeah he was, and, and the same thing. Those were my mates. Had a great right. time. Tell uh, us about. We talked. I just bought in one of my B Cross magazines, which uh, you hadn't seen. You're on the cover from uh, your time in Bercy. Tell me that little story about your trip to uh, to Bercy for the first oh, time. Oh, the first time. Oh, I mean, how do you say it? Eye-opening, life-changing. Let me tell you, here, here's how I'll tell the story. I, uh, every year on my, children, on my children's birthday, I wake them up in the morning and I tell them about the day they were born. And it's a, it's a long tradition we've had in our family. And so uh, a couple of years ago, I uh, had this conversation with my daughter. I said, imagine you're a young guy and you fly into a to a foreign city and you go into a, a stadium like Dodger Stadium mm-hmm. a huge stadium and it has sold out every seat in that stadium they people pay in advance to come from all over the part of Europe to see you yeah and you and you're and the lights go down and the music's pumping and all of a sudden a spotlight comes on 
and they call your name and the entire stadium stands up and cheers and says, yeah, Hollywood. It's fantastic. I go, that does not compare to having you born. <laughs> That's how awesome person is. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You you know, to imagine, you're, you are a rock star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you are a rock star. No, no, it's, it's literal. Yeah. And having my children, and you know you're a dad. Mm-hmm. My, having a child, having mm-hmm. your children, mm-hmm. blows that away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the greatest day of my life was each one of my kids. Yeah. It's the best days. Now, did, do you show them clips or any? Have they looked back to all no, that stuff? No, the damn or? internet takes care of that by itself. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, I, can... did, I did not promote, I did not share that with my kids. I didn't tell my kids about BMX. Same. Yeah. For, for the same reason. I, yeah, same. We, we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I did not want to put on the pressure of having to perform or having to be that person. Or having, right. Let them I find want their own you, path. Yeah, find your own path. Find your own success. All I care about is that you you did what I did, the same thing my dad did for me. Mm-hmm. You put in forth the, the life lesson of putting forth your best effort. Right. Mm-hmm. At the end of what you're doing, can you look back and say, that's the best I could do? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whether it's a day of training or doing your homework or... Whatever it is, playing music, and that's why I think my my kids, my kids are talented. They're they're and they're hardworking and they're good people because they basically got the same lessons my dad gave. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, good stuff. Let's. Uh, I think we're coming up to the first hour, so maybe let's uh, press pause, shall we? Yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll come back and uh, do a little bit more. <laughs> All right, part two, we took a little break. Uh, I guess let's, I've got this lovely uh, BMX action. It's June 1989, oh, Mike man. on the cover. So I guess after Hutch, free agent. So tell us maybe the... Uh... Well, the last hurrah. So uh, yeah, after Hutch had their business faults and we couldn't continue with what we were doing, sort of left a sour taste in my mouth. And it was kind of, I was bummed. I was really bummed at the, at the way my career ended because of financial hardships for the sponsors I just happened to have. Yeah. Um, and so I took a job at, uh, I was offered a job and took a job at Vision Streetwear. So I got to support the writers and friends and, and really enjoyed that. And thanks to Brad Fanshawe, that's really who yeah. was with ABA at the time. He got me the job because he went there as well. On Vision Wii. was huge, wasn't it? I saw some documentaries huge. of the ranks and the... Just yeah, it was huge. pretty got, I mean, it was in departments or Nordstrom's. Was it bigger was, than the 90s GT? Yes, much bigger because wow. it was more than one sport. Wow! Yeah. Right, it was huge, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, it grew so fast that it, that created financial hardships. But uh, so, I, as I took the job at Vision, uh, one of the teams I sponsored was Free Agent, which yes. was the national number one team at the time, and their pro. Todd Slavic, the cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't remember at w- why he left the team, but he left the team. And and I was talking to Yvonne one time, and she said, "Yeah, we really need somebody to be here. We'd like somebody to, you know, to be an influence on the kids." And she said, "Would you? Would you? You know, would you like to come back and race?" So I said, "Sure." So you'd already retired. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I came back and raced a few ra- raced a few races with her, and had a great time. Had a great time with the kids. It was awesome. Through some tabletops. Through some tabletops. I mean, look here. Yeah. Got some, do you know how many magazine covers you actually got throughout your career? No, I'm sorry. I didn't keep track. But apparently I got one in France. Yeah, I know. You, you didn't. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you know. That was awesome. Uh, no, I didn't keep track. But I know that uh, I sure like jumping, and I still do. Love jumping my bike. Whether it's my road bike, my mountain bike, I love jumping my bike. And you got Harry Leary jumping over you here on his, yeah. it was like one of the first mountain bike. Yep. I, I um, knew that that cover was going to be my last hurrah, my last one. 
So I was glad I was able to give that to Yvonne, and, uh, and I was glad I got to say thanks to, to my friends inside. Is that Sheep Hills? Uh, yes, Sheep. It's like a whole Robinson team there? Uh, no, it's Todd Corbett and Todd Blazer. Okay, Those cool. were my training partners. We Did you live with them guys in that little period? Someone, like, no, no, but no. We, we rode together. Right. We, yeah. we rode together. We had a great time together, and we, we rode Orange and did Orange Hill, and that it was co- a great time. That cover signed, and I believe is still on the wall in the first waters. Yeah. Oh, so wow. Yeah. The very fir- I was customer number five at Wahoo's Fish Tacos. Which Wahoo's? Where, where? The original one in Costa Mesa. Mesa. Okay. Um, I love... It was a great time to, you know, I was able to say thanks to a bunch of people inside. Like, mm-hmm. You know, my best friend James Lucente and all the guys from back east and Robbo and all, all, all the, the wonderful families I had a chance to, to be part of and have part of my life. But that was fun, man. I was doing that. And you bought so Vision in as a major... Yeah, we sponsored Was the that like a big money deal then? To big money deal, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a great opportunity for me at the end of my career to have a job that was... You know, it fell, fell right in, and it was easy for me to do, and I hopefully did a good job. And then... Wasn't, wasn't Vision... Vision was funding the TV show. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were funding the... The, the Murray World Cup, I think, the one in Irvine, wasn't that They did the ADA Grands. Okay. They did all kinds of yeah, stuff. They, and huge skate events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were funding for the... I know for the BMX side, they were funding the TV shows to, to have them be on yeah. TV. And we talked a little bit off... off before when you were telling me about Vision before we hit record, you know, I, I love that documentary on Gator. And yeah. that's, uh, I, that's a lot of vision on there, the, the rise and fall of Gator. I think it's yeah. called Stoked. So. Sort of the rise, you know, along with it was the rise and fall of Vision. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of went hand in hand. Uh, not related at all. Right. But timing wise. And it was, a, it was a shame. It was a great company. Just it grew so fast it couldn't be managed in that, in that fashion. And so when, when we knew it was going down, Again, Brad Fanshawe said, hey, listen, I, uh, I talked to Rich Long, and I, I, there's a job there at GT. Oh, so you went from Vision straight to GT? Straight to GT. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but you had a long, but way before GT, I mean, people don't know, most oh, people yeah. don't know this. He, he knew Rich way before any of that. When it was uh, okay. Anaheim Bike Shop. Okay. I, I, I had... You already had the relationship. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had babysat his kids. Yeah. Um, I used to get a ride. To, you know, again, I was poor. I, I would scrounge ride to the races, and sometimes I would ride to the races with his wife Wanda to a zoo, to the Azusa because yeah. she had to go there to. She ran the track. She ran the snack bar. Mm-hmm. So I would race. Rich was a track operator. Rich okay. was track operator. Of Azusa. Azusa. Yeah. yeah. With so the bridge. I, no, no, no. The old Azusa. Okay, old Azusa behind the, the Eagles yeah. Lodge. Yeah. yeah, behind the, the lodge. And, and, and also Orange Y. Yeah. He, so, yeah Rich, Orange opened, Rich started Orange yeah. Y. So I would get a ride to the races, which means I was the first person there on a bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would ride around with the boys, and you know that was that's how I got to the races. So I, I had known Rich forever and ever and ever. Uh, I had I bought my first GT, which became my nephew's bike, uh, from Anaheim Bike Shop before there was a GT. It was Gary Turner Bicycles, so I'd known him forever. And you was fine to after the free agent, then like I'm done racing. You had no desire. You didn't want to carry on. You're like, okay, I'm ready for full on work. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I had listen. I had put my heart and soul into it, and I had done well, and I had uh, got let down financially. Mm-hmm. 
by two major sponsors in a row. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, if I'm going to dedicate myself and work this hard, I'd rather have a guaranteed paycheck mm -hmm. so I don't work for months and not get paid. Right. And so when this opportunity came up, was it was an easy yes to say. How old was you? I don't remember. Like mid twenties, or yeah, mid twenties. It's crazy because that at the time was probably old for a BMX career. Then, right? You know, you myself, or I mean, thirty fives, forties. You know, I think you went even longer. Yeah, you from know? from yeah. Out, Mike, yeah, I, th yeah. I think I was uh, thirty, thirty-eight, thirty-eight was my hmm. thirty-eight, thirty-nine was my last real title against real guys. Right. I, I I certainly could have extended my BMX career had I wanted to. Right. Uh, there were other options to to become bigger and stronger. Right. <laughs> uh, that other writers were other writers I know were using, um, but I also knew from a very young man that I wanted a family, mm -hmm. and family was important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I knew I wanted to have my own kids, and and so I always chose the other road. Yeah. Uh, I I would rather not get bigger buffer and faster mm -hmm. I'd rather just be a dad and get a good job and, yeah. and and use whatever skills I have now and looking you know sitting here at 55 years old looking back could I have had a big bigger and better career possibly who knows am I very very happy with the career I've had absolutely and we didn't even touch on Nora Cup I mean you won the Nora Cup which is a major you know it's yeah. uh, huge, huge huge deal you know huge it's I'm grateful Absolutely grateful, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that recognized by, by the public. Mm -hmm. And that, listen, it, there's no doubt if you look at my results and, and the kind of person I am and the things, the crazy stuff that I do, I love public admiration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why yeah, we do this, yeah. right, man? That's why I make people laugh, because right. I love it. It's just who I am. And it's the same when you, like, yeah. say, all, every time you came to England, Holland, <laughs> France, I mean, whether you, you won or not, everybody remembers Mike Miranda. I mean, we see it on social media. You was reading the comments for this podcast. You know, all people are commenting on times you've been in Europe, you know, and, and made them laugh. One guy, again, we'll read the questions later. You won your race with face paint, you know, in Holland. You know? <laughs> I can't so, believe I talked to Eric group doing that. Right. <laughs> it was fantastic. Those are, but those are huge impacts on people, yeah. you know, yeah. because, uh, you know, you were a hero at the time, especially over there, because those people never got to see or touch in person you know so the fact that these you know this is that's this is what they had right they just had this mm -hmm. so to be able to come over there it was rock star stuff absolutely yeah. and and i was grateful that i was raised the way it was that i was not a i did not sit in the pits i did not yeah. i was never a red car pro right and hide yep i was never that i was always <laughs> out there doing in the, the stands yeah. yeah always sitting with fans in the stands not fans Friends. Mm. They're all my friends. Yeah. And I, you can I, see that from even the TV you did in England. You know, you're out there in the, yeah, always, in the thick of it, just hanging out with the, with the, with the regular the fans. You always. Know? You know what? And it wasn't because I wasn't actively promoting the sport. I wasn't actively promoting Mike Miranda. I just fun. enjoy people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's way more fun than sitting in an air-conditioned rental car right. bitching about the track. Right. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, there's been a number of times that you had an impact on, on me, and, we, and we've talked about that. But... I, but uh, 1983 Lancaster. When you, when you doubled, I I got his number plate. I was a 13 year old. Oh fan. wow! I got his cool. number plate. And Billy Harrison has my gloves. After Harrison. I told him, no, I can't. He's wearing a pair of gloves, and he took them anyway. He stole his gloves. <laughs> they get that stuff back. Get it on eBay. <laughs> oh, he has <laughs> much like back. I have to oh, you gave it back. I gave it back to him a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have a vault already in your in your yeah. garage. Prize you know? possession. I, I, Did you save much stuff? No, I saved my first trophy. 
Uh, so I have my first trophy. I'm sure the, uh, the Hutch fans must have you on the, almost on the daily like if you got anything left, I'm sure, don't they? You know what? <laughs> you know? He, he, he gives me crap about all the, all the stuff that I have in my garage. You got to cash out one day and yeah. buy a mansion. Yeah. 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 Do it now. Yeah. Do it now. Do it now. Uh, you yeah. know what? Uh, as far as influencing people, it was, it was mutual. Mm. You know, being around fun and, and good people influenced me. So, you know, it, it, I am who I am because of my dad, because of Gary Ream and Ed Isabel, uh, Brad Fanshaw, Rich Long. I, I, I am who I am because of people like that and Todd Huffman. Yeah. You know, the people that, that took an inch, Roger Worsham, for heaven's sake, probably one of the biggest. You know, those are the guys that influenced me and, and helped me be who I am today. Steve Guyberson. You know, and then if, if, if any of that rubbed off onto somebody else and they got the good part... That's important. They, they got to get the yeah, good part. They of got the good part because you know the fun-loving jokester. Mm -hmm. That you know that comes with a price too. Right, right. <laughs> if you're in the game, baby, you're in the game. Yeah, yeah. Let's because again, he's probably a pioneer of, of the coaching. You know, which is obviously the norm now, especially in BMX racing. You know, you as one of the the oh, Woodward yeah. um, oh, coaches, oh, oh, Eddie King, oh, 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 you, Mike, Mike Polson, was it? Yeah, was Mike, the, the first four were Mike Polson, Greg Grubbs, and Joe Bomber. The, we were the four, and our first. Then we hired a junior counselor, James Vicente, mm -hmm. and that was the, the that was the beginning of Woodward Camp. Mm -hmm. That was Woodward, and that's a you know it's a phenomenal story. They they had a huge successful gymnastic camp, right? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Let's say between six and eight hundred campers a week. Wow! But it was gymnastics, and so the ratio was it was like thirteen girls to every boy, and they wow. needed a sport. To bring boys in, yeah, because so they knew that that would be better for the mix of camp. Yeah, so they looked around, they found BMX. So they went to the to to the ABA at, at Arizona, and they said, "We want to hire some pros. We need what we need is we need somebody that's that's good with kids, so good public speaker, um, is personable, and and can you th you think would be a good influence on children." I was the first name they gave. Wow, that's yeah. cool. So I was very happy to be, very privileged to have I that. I can't believe it wasn't Kevin Neal. <laughs> Gosh. Hey, listen. Hey, hey. If you want to learn how to go fast and build your muscles, <laughs> then, uh, and get buff, he was a great influence. Right. You know, and, and to Kevin's credit, I, again, first ABA number one pro, man, he was so fast, and he took me to a lot of races. I got to where I'm at today riding on his coattails. Because I was the snotty kid in the back seat that got to go to races. You also Gave, didn't get to some races. I also didn't get to some races sometimes <laughs> because his ratty Volkswagens would break, break down, down and catch on fire. And <laughs> I just read, uh, Rad, I just read, and again, I'm going to talk about Rad. I just read on the, in pull, the new Pull magazine uh, showed up yesterday. Yeah. And they just said they found Kevin McNeil yeah. and they're going to try and get him to the Hall yep. of Fame weekend. So that's cool. What and a everyone trying to wonder what happened to him. Don't they? What a great treat. Wow. Um, yeah, let's hit on Rad real quick. So sure. I don't, I don't see you much in the the nostalgia, um, you know, online presence with a lot of those guys. Listen, is... I have nothing against it. I mm. love it. I absolutely love it. And a week, a, a week in my life does not go by without somebody mm -hmm. somehow talking to me about Rad. It comes up on my life all the time. It was a great couple of weeks of my life. It was fantastic. Who knew? Right? right? Yeah. Who knew that it was going to have this this social impact? 
Oh, and you normally, when they do show a clip of Rad, it's normally, you know, Hollywood Mike Miranda is out and <laughs> yeah. you're flying off the side. Oh, so that was you fun. get shown a lot, you know? Yeah, well, it's amazing. Same thing. This won't surprise you that, you know, when they when they were filming the movie and Jose Yanez was getting $1,000 every time he did a flip. Oh, wow. And he did it, I think it was like 13 times. They did 13 yeah. takes. And I yeah, found out, and I was like, yeah. holy cow, how do I get in on this jackpot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the day I found that out, the next day, that next morning, I went right to Hal Needham, the director, and I said, you know what would be awesome? Right. If somebody went flying off that burn right Because right. that's what we were filming today. Yeah. I said, that would be great. Right. And, he, and I go, and I'll do it for you. <laughs> and he goes, all right. And then I said, and that will cost you you know, I gave him a dollar figure, and he goes like, "All right, wow, so, so use your own agent as well." Oh, heck yeah! yeah. I, I always have been my own agent, right? And and, and talking about rubbing off. Here's if I if I wasn't my own agent, this Eric Carter's who yeah. I'd hire to be my agent. Yeah, <laughs> me too, man. Yeah, yeah. nobody else gets contingency on uh, Saturday four cross at <laughs> yeah. uh, Fontana. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I learned from the best. Oh. Yeah, I so the best. so the so the second. So the, during the during the course of the filming, now comes the day we're going to jump up onto the cliffhanger. Yeah. And I thought, oh, here's my big bonus. I said, hey, you know what would be awesome? If somebody went up there and didn't quite make it, fell all the way down <laughs> to the bottom. And Hal Needham just starts laughing and he says, how much is that going to cost me? Right. <laughs> and I gave him a dollar figure and he goes, suit up. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I fell down. I fell all the way down three stories onto cardboard boxes. Wow. And I landed, poof, knocked the wind out of me and... I crawled out from the boxes, and he was standing right there, and I said, how about another take? Right. That was more money. <laughs> uh, it was a great experience, man, doing that thing. But, uh, again, who knew that that would have the impact it's had? Nobody and, knew. Yeah. And it comes back to me every week. Yeah. Mm. And my l- wife loves to tease me about it. Right. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I have to put my hand over her mouth when she goes, oh, yeah, he was in rad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's cool, Because she yeah. knows it gets me. Yeah, it's f- so funny. It's always fun to bring it up at a bar when we're sitting around. Gosh, it just gets some. He means right. family restaurant, children. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit more GT then. So you kind of transition into the real, real full-time job gt obviously at its peak i guess was it peak when you first got there absolutely definitely headed that way international we had international distributors had our own distribution here in the united states it Mm -hmm. was really a phenomenal time to be there to watch it grow and to watch it change and uh and to be involved with the talented people i had the, the the opportunity to be with ec being one of them and and then you know, like I said, Todd Huffman and, and the rest of the crew. Um, I mean, so many guys, when I first went into the office there, and then the, you guys have already been there a while, mid-90s, it felt like I was in a, a BMX magazine anyway, you know? You got Woody Itson, and then the, yeah, there was you know, the mountain bike, Doug Martin was doing the mountain bike yep. stuff, and then TC, and, and listen, Big E. I was just going to say, and listen, Big E does not get enough credit for what the influence he's had mm-hmm. on how many people, and, and GT in general, I mean... The marketing department listened to a lot of, to what B, Big E had to say because, you know, talk about authentic. Mm-hmm. That guy lives the life, and he, he has, he's, he's like Eric in that he is very good about being authentic, but more importantly, being able to articulate that. Mm-hmm. He can speak intelligently to, to different types of people and cater the message so that they understand mm-hmm. and they, they can turn it into what is reality. Right. I thought, I thought... Big E is only second to EC when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. I always thought my view from from 
looking back more now, thinking more about what was happening at the time, I just thought this was the norm. But now looking at it, like I felt GT was very pro. It was all about the pros and money and that. But if you actually looked down a little bit to Biggie, what he was doing with that amateur team, you know, in the rental car with them all and videos and filming them all, more on the, not grassroots, but more of a level down the amateur, breeding that next bunch of guys, you know? he he, he, He genuinely loved every kid that was on this program. Yeah. I mean, like, arm around, love, yeah. like, yeah, a, like a yeah. son, like a yeah. son or, or a daughter. Yeah. And he, he embraced all their families and everything, man. I mean, I got to, uh, you know, at the end of my, well, even when I started, when I came back and I was riding, the first couple of races I rode on a GT that he had got me mm-hmm. um, when I was riding for Hyper. Um, and I got some of my first wins. I got my first double A win in Phoenix on that. And so I was always, me and Biggie were tight. Mm-hmm. So I always got to see that and be around that when he was the team manager of that stuff. And man, he, dude, he was, uh, he was an awesome team manager. Dude, he's, he's an awesome human being. Yeah. He, and he genuinely loves people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's what, that, that's what, correct. Comes, that comes out first and foremost. So yeah. he would, he would push those kids, man. Like he would, he, like you said, you know, you see the videos, mostly it's, you know, you see a lot of videos of Soto. You can hear his commentary of yeah. how stoked he genuinely was just, you yes, can believe I've that, watched some of that yeah. wow, you could hear him, man. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he was always filming all his writers and, and he was just, he, he lived it. He, he lived it. No surprise, he's a phenomenal family man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Honda Wright's doing... Uh, Yoshimura? Yoshimura. Yeah. He, he, he's at works at Yoshimura and, you know, they're a big aftermarket motorcycle company. Lucky to have him. Fantastic exhaust, yeah. And he's best friends with the owner of Yoshimura. Like, super tight with him. They ride mountain bikes together all the time. Right. Uh, he actually, you didn't get to go to Fog this year, but he was the owner of Yoshimura. Actually came to Fogfest yeah. with Big E. So, yeah, That's I mean, cool. you know, wherever Big E goes. Yeah, yeah, nice guy. Like he's always vibe. nice guy, super accepted, because you can see how, like you said, how authentic and genuine mm-hmm. he is. And even with what he kind of mentored, probably Donnie Robinson at the start as well, you know. Same so deal. On, Donnie yeah. went on to great things, you know. Yeah, for so. sure. Still is. Yeah, 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 still doing good things, yeah. So he's, he, he's, well, one more thing about GT was, People don't realize how much they put back into the sport of BMX racing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they person Rich Law. It was important to Rich. It was even when he knew that it was going downhill or was what didn't have the momentum it had. He still kept pumping money into it mm-hmm. because he felt it was important, not just for the brand, but for him. It, it's what that's what kept his family Dude. going together to, to different events. Mm-hmm. Dude, he didn't he didn't just pump. He actually he sustained BMX. Yes. There was no reason for him to have Powerlight, Robinson, and GT full-blown teams times, you know, with with 10 riders per team. And sponsoring all the races that they go to. Yeah, and then sponsoring the races and the TV shows and all that. Mm-hmm. That's all just pure passion of mm-hmm. like, dude, I love the sport. It's done so much for my company. He didn't have to do that. He could he could have got away with one team, one brand, and been fine. Yeah, yeah. And he just, he just... Actually, he really sustained it. He yeah. literally sustained it. Do you think somebody like Rich, and we're going to move on to current state with BMX, um, do you think somebody like Rich Longwood is needed right now for, as you look in? Sure. Or would his model the work wor- now? The, wor- the, wor- the world needs people like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Influencers that, are, that have the, and can bankroll. Mm. I, think it's, I think it's only half of the equation. I, I think it's not even half. I think it's a very small sliver. Yeah, yeah. I think the pictures, I, I think the, the challenge with BMX racing today is a much larger problem. It's a bigger picture. Look, I got, I have close personal friends at USA BMX. Mm-hmm. 
and and I like them. I like those people there. I do. I don't. I don't have any ill will to say towards those guys at all. But I think the sport of BMX would be way healthier if they had competition. There's there's no there's no denying it. And I don't. And I don't even. I wouldn't even care who won. Uh, but that's just human nature. When you have somebody that's pushing you and holding you accountable, you do better. It's the, I mean, that is, sure. and that's not, yeah. I'm not slamming USA BMX. No. I don't want it to be like, because I know some people just go in and, Brah! and I think there's a lot of things, not just, you, I don't think you can just point the finger at USA BMX. There's so many facets to the state of BMX right now. Uh, I do think that, it, that it's bad that they just completely deny it. Mm-hmm. That there is a problem. There's an action. There's a problem. There's no. There's no. Yeah. The there's, you can't. I think deny that's that. one that rubs a lot of people up the yeah. wrong way. That's where know? Greg gets really mad. Yeah. Greg gets mad because they deny. They don't. They want to actually acknowledge that mm-hmm. numbers are down and there's an issue. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, your question was: Is there? Do we need a guy like Rich Long? Yeah. We need. We need. Uh, Certainly. There. There needs to be funding, but there also needs to be a second governing body that. Like when it, when MBL and ABA were going at it, it was the sport was way healthier. We were better for it. All the races were better for it. And I think ABA in the long run, ABA was better for it. Mm-hmm. They were better. They, they had more riders, and they pr- produced a better product. So the sport was better. So even though there was another uh, entity that was, you could say was you know if they ran a national the same weekend, oh they took a hundred entries from us. On a whole. They were taking a hundred entries from a huge, a much bigger pie, mm-hmm. which leads me to my the pie is so small. Theory. Hey, listen, when you look at it, the growth rate, the population growth rate right. in the United States is shrinking. So that means there being there's less children. Right. That means that the pie of children, the pie, is getting smaller. Then you look at bicycle sales. Right. Bicycle sales are at an all time low. Bicycle sales are, are dwindling across the board. Across the board, yeah. then you take you take BMX bicycles, twenty inch bikes, kids bikes. That is shrinking. Right. Then you take that sliver and you make it BMX racing. Mm-hmm. That piece of pie is so thin you can't taste the filling. <laughs> and, and it is. It, it, there, there's just and it's it's all shrinking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a set is the answer. A second is this answer a second sanctioned body? No, that's not the answer. Will that help? Probably, but they're they're competing for that tiniest sliver. Mm-hmm. What what we need to do is grow the sliver. Now, I'm not telling you boys to go out and have more kids. What I'm saying <laughs> no, is, I got, we have. To, I got nothing in there. <laughs> I, I don't think the wife's up for it. I did my share. I did my share. I think I think what what in my humble opinion is that you know what we have to do is we need to change the society. Look at health. We need to we need to create a, a better outdoor healthy lifestyle for kids. We need parents to be dedicated to doing that. Instead of giving your kid an iPad, right. give him a week at Woodward Camp. Mm-hmm. That'll change that'll change his or her life. Yeah. Then they're going to want to ride their bikes all the time. Mm-hmm. Another thing we need to do, which is going to bring me back full circle to the guy like Rich Long, we need to have the entry to getting a bike easier. Yeah. We need to, we we need to have better entry level bikes, um, and make it easier for families to spend time together riding bicycles outdoors and having a a better life together, healthier. Right. There's nothing but and then when you see that growing, the sport of BMX will grow as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I do know a guy that's like Rich Long that reminds me a lot of Rich Long, and that's Clay Goldsmith. 
and Clay, the owner of Hyper, in my mind, is very much like Twitch Long. He's driven, and he he sees the same thing. We got we got to get more kids on bikes. Mm-hmm. He's dedicated to that, and he's willing to to pay for it out of his pocket. Yeah, he's pretty crazy. He's, he's there. He is. He's. I don't mind saying Rich Long was a hero of mine. I've said he's already been an influence. I I see Clay in the same mold. He's he he is. I think I think my dad is the hardest working man I've ever met. Until I met Clay, I thought I was the hardest working guy I know. Right. Yeah, Clay's gnarly. His hours his hours he, are really. And yeah. he smokes me, and he's and and I I will do all I can to keep up with him. But he is he is phenomenal. He, he'll be the first one to tell you that Clay's world is a crazy world. But the the uh, I mean the the workload that he and. And what he accomplishes, and what his reach is, the things he's reached into, like mm-hmm. we're, you know, you know, Hyper is a bicycle company. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we're a toy company. Yeah. Well, I, I've been, I, Mike gave, I gave me a little tour, tour of, the, of the. Yeah, yeah. Of when you see what we have in the back yeah. of the warehouse, it yeah. blows you away. And that's no. a small speck of what we're doing. Right. Yeah. The yeah. license, just the licensing agreements we have alone, and then the toys you have, and the ride-on toys, and I mean, they're Disney licenses, yeah. the Yamaha license, Ninja Circus. I mean, it's crazy. And Clay, you have you. People would, if people could peek behind the curtain and how how lean the ship is, they wouldn't. They actually would say, "I don't believe you." Yeah. They would just say, "I don't believe you." Like companies. I mean, we were on a flight. We were on a flight to China, and there was a uh, a person from another mass company, another big box company, and they were talking. We were talking in the back at Joe's Bar and Grill. Yeah. Joe DeChamp. You know, we drink beers in the back of the bus sometimes on the back of the airplane. We're right. Yeah. Also Joe's Bar and Grill. Right. And so. <laughs> All the bike people migrate to China and, and Taiwan for the show. So we're talking, and they asked us how many employees we had, and we told them. And they were like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. Because there's hundreds. Yeah. There are hundreds of employees. Yeah, we're yeah. We're teens. Yeah. We, we're just barely to teens. We just hit, I don't know if we, have we hit teens? Yeah, we're in, we're in the teens. I think if you, if you, if take the Bentonville folks and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I think we're just, we might be 13 employees. But we are all super dedicated. We're passionate, and uh, you know when you have Clay Goldsmith, Eric Carter, Mike Miranda. Well, I'd say is is relationship with you and loyalty already that shows something right there. Yeah, it? The, yeah. Uh, how long you guys have been together? Yeah, you know yeah. he's he's um, but he's and I, I think part of the reason, Mike, I think part of the reason his ship is so lean. He knows that we could probably do better if we had more people. But man, Clay is he's really apprehensive of bringing people into the party. He doesn't. He's he's very protective of what he's built. Yeah. And so yeah. he doesn't it's not just like, Oh yeah, that guy says he can do that. We'll hire him. Right. It's like, no dude, I I, yeah, I wanna know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how he got he, he has a very healthy respect for Clay knows what Mike's done mm-hmm. in the bike industry, but he also knows his character. Mm-hmm. And that you know, if he didn't know Mike's character and if he just knew what he was capable of on paper, Clay's not always he won't always hire that guy. Yeah, yeah, relationships. And- yeah. So, so I think Clay, you know, what, what we're, I think an answer to helping grow BMX is not BMX, it's pump track. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, they're not building more BMX tracks right now, they're building more pump tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that what's what the only thing that's really helping BMX right now is what Donnie Robinson and Mike Carruth are doing mm-hmm. with the schools and with their BMX leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, they're reaching more kids, more beginner kids. They're, sure. they're bringing kids that would not go to the BMX track out to BMX tracks. Mm-hmm. They're doing stuff yeah. like that too. Uh, that, that's yeah, you, smaller scale, yeah. I'm just small, trying to, smaller yeah. scale. Yeah, yeah. But 
But you think it's smaller scale based right. on the 80s. I'm looking at that as the smallest sliver of the pie. Mm-hmm. The numbers that you're doing, Dale, will influence that piece of pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about, I mean, imagine if there was 20 Dale homes. Well, that's what I think. If everyone does their own little bit, I don't think there's one person with a magic wand that's going to do it all. But if there's cool stuff and it doesn't have to be the same model, people do just doing cool stuff right. to help grow it. Um, but, but, what if you, but what if you had a visionary guy like Clay Goldsmith supporting those models? Yeah, and I think that's what we you need because there is a... We talk about it all day on, on social media, on podcasts. What are we doing wrong? What should we do? And that's why I like to ask you, but even before the podcast, what do you think? What I like to, right. and I think we're all doing that. We, we, we need somebody to come in and kind of direct this, right. um, you know, yeah. to, to, to make it grow, you know? So definitely, yeah. I think there's lots of cool potential. And we all agree we're not having more kids, the three of us. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we cleared that up. No. Well, cool. Um, trying to think uh, anything else we need to touch on GT how long was you at the first GT then before you went to the second GT oh man so was you at the first GT till the end yeah went to the end yeah I, I, I left I left just before and, and it was it was a hard it was a hard decision to make because I was doing well and it was a, it was a great company to work for but I left for a different reason I had I had I wanted to be a pro golfer Right. Okay, that was yes, yes, yes. The name, the <laughs> so, name, and everything. Yeah, crazy, right. Oh, you really do. So yeah. I, uh, I had you know the same work ethic that I that, that brought me success everywhere else. I just said you know I can be a pro golfer, mm-hmm. and uh, I worked on my game. I, I practiced hard. I got I got lessons from uh, important people that could help me along my way, and uh, and I and I went at it for a few years, and it was a it was a great life lesson. I had a great, fantastic time. Met a lot of friends, and and. Uh, had had you know limited success, but enough to end up with a very prestigious country club job, um, and then uh, decided after just a few years of that that you know what, I'm a bike guy. Right. I'm a bike guy. Yeah. 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 Start coming back. Yeah. I just and it's this is my passion. This is my passion. I love bicycles. And I you love bike people. You had some other other jobs in between yeah, though. Yeah, I did. Uh, but I've had I've had a. Uh, it's been great. And the, the highlight of it all, like I said, as we started this, the highlight of it all is being able to be here with Eric and, and do what we do together. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it is family and working, working with Clay and Joe and everybody. It's family. Yeah. We work ourselves silly, but it's family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and, and, and if there's, there's only a couple things you get from this is family's important to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Family's important to me. And uh, it's just been a, it's been a fortunate life to, to have the family that I've had. Yeah. This this young man here next to me, this young buck next to me, is is probably uh, one of the biggest highlights. Yeah, right on. Let's we've got a lot of questions. Oh so, man! So shall yeah. we? Shall we I like the questions. Let's blitz through some of these. I put a post up about a month ago, and we got some. I like the name game too. That's some good re- some good reaction. When he, when he held, I, I don't, think I don't know if he has can do it. I can maybe do it. I, I, I didn't see the questions, but my daughter texted me and said she asked a question I have to answer, and I don't know what it is. So. All right. Well, I'll leave start, it all to you. Please. Let's start with your daughter then, Miranda. So yes. how old is Miranda? She's 21. 21. And She's my youngest. Okay. So let's say the first pretty, one here. Pretty, pretty princess pie. Yeah. <laughs> is it true they enjoy baseball as much, if not more than bicycles? Oh, absolutely. I'm a diehard Dodger fan. I have been my whole life. The L.A. Dodgers. I love baseball, no, right. no doubt. It's a, it's a thinking man's game. I love it. 
She says, which medal trophy do you have from a race that was the most challenging to win? Oh, the first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, said it was a couple yeah, years Two years, right. yeah. A consolation trophy. That was the hardest one to get. And my most, believe it or not, my most cherished. Yeah. The yeah, Cup. I, I got my same yeah, one. That's the Nora question. Where's the Nora More Cup? More than Nora Cup. Uh, Steve Blackie has it. I loaned it to him for his bike shop and he still has it. Okay. I just haven't picked it up. I, I, I don't have memorabilia. I don't. It's because... It's just stuff. It's just stuff. That's it's what stuff. That, that's, his, that. that's his famous. It's just stuff. Wow, your stuff is. I mean, you have great. I have stuff at my stuff. Yeah, you have great stuff. The teams you're in for, just like your garage is a gold mine. Yeah, it's just stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I invest in relationships. Right. That's that's why you and I are the way we are. Now. <laughs> All right, another one here from your daughter. Um, and we've got a lot of these questions, you know. I guess it's an open question. Oh, mustache, the, 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 you know. Sure. Mustache? Yeah, talk about the mustache. Dude, you realize this was in the 80s. Right. You know, uh, I don't know if the number one show back then was Magnum P.I. Right, yeah, 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 right. Dude, I, yeah. I was, put, I had, the, room, yeah, I had the, uh, the room going there. You did have yeah. the room. It, and listen, it started early. I think it st- sprouted when I was like 12. Did chicks like that in the 80s? Didn't seem to affect me negatively. But I mean, you're like saying you have a great personality, <laughs> yeah, yeah. great hair. You still have great hair. You yeah. can't add it all, you know. I have still do, yeah. man. <laughs> Just a little bit more of it. I have, I have pictures of when I was a, when I was a kid at Orange White. You remember that guy used to go out there and take all the pictures, and then you the next yeah, week, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go by your find kid, your yeah. picture. I have pictures at my mom's house with you in the background, sitting behind turn. It was turn two at the yeah, time. I always sat behind turn two, yeah. And you're sitting there with the crew of the of the Inland Empire guys because I wasn't I wasn't a guy from Hemet at right. that time. I was the Lakewood. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's the you and a bunch Indian of guys carrying Russ, Russ on, and you're feathered down the middle. Oh yeah, and all stashed out, dude. It's just Camaro, Camaro <laughs> Keith, man. One of the questions was Mark Cyril from England. He actually said, he says, was you the, did you kind of start the trend in pros with mustaches? Who else had mustaches then? So was you Theo Perry Kramer? PK, yeah. yeah, still, right? PK yeah. had always yeah. had a good one, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it, I never even thought about it. It's like having, are you the guy that started with feathered hair? Man, so who knows? We just all had it. Right, If right. you could have one. I was just blessed with a monster caterpillar. Yeah. <laughs> And he says, was it hard to race um, with your face painted? We, t- we touched on that earlier. That was in Slag Horror. And I think there was, uh, I think even years later when I went, you could do that on the park, get your face yeah, well, painted like a clown, right? Eric and I were, we, we, when we went to Europe, uh, Roop and I would roommate. We right. were rooming together because it was, we just were compatible. And, and we would be up all night playing practical jokes on all the other pros. Yeah. Fan, it's still what I do. <laughs> to yeah. get you in the game. Who would you like to get the most? Anyone. Everyone, right? All of them, right? All the time, right? Yeah, good stuff, good yeah. stuff. And so we were walking, walking through the middle of the the pits, and it was like, and there was a face painting booth, and I just grabbed his arm and I go, "Hey, let's do this." And he was like, "What?" I go, "But our race is coming up." I go, "We can make it. Come on!" And we we painted our face up. He still does. Hey, dude, he still does that shit today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whenever, like, I we're on a business trip or whatever, and we were in we were in a, a licensing show in Vegas last year and we're walking through and there was one of these kiosk things with the uh like uh you know what is it like 15 minutes we'll tighten your wrinkles right and he's like dude let's stop check it out he just he loves to like listen to the people sales pitch so right like, hey let's 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 pretend we're interested in right and this guy was like well why don't we do it and he was like oh yeah sure let's we're do it right so we, we said, both we both got one eye done right <laughs> yeah because he wanted to compare them yeah and dude i'm telling you man that stuff pulled my face like this. Like, jesus it was so tight and for like five days 
it still felt like my eye was pulled. But, right. But he does that all the time. Like, <laughs> right. he'll just be like, hey, check it on, out. Shit, let's go over here. Let's just, go do just, it. Hey, still does it. I bet, I bet you can't do that. Yes. <laughs> and that's probably another cover you don't know about. Then you've got to cover a BMX action bike from pretty sure, at least um, from Slack Horror with the. You got, got a lot of, you got a lot of coverage. I'm gonna have to. I'm pretty sure it's a cover of Action Bike with the with the paint with the face paint. All I know, and is, you definitely got pictures within it. All I know, know is yeah. that you're supposed to wear your mouth guard, and, right. I, and I raced with. I unsnapped it at the right. gate because I didn't want to mess up my mouth. Right. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so fast forward a few years, uh, you know, a decade later, and we go to. Uh, he invites me to come watch him race at Sea Otter. It was part of the. Uh, I think I saw something. Monty Stride. Yeah, and so he he had we, he, I I went out to watch him race, and uh, and he did basically the same thing. I he, lost a bet. <laughs> and you, so you bet. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to, to pay on my bet, he had to wear a Mexican wrestling mask. Right. And he raced four cross. I think I saw a picture of that. With his yeah. Mexican mask, and dude, the crowd erupted. It right. was hilarious. People still laugh about it and talk about it. You I see, people don't do that oh, stuff anymore. You I know? could not see. <laughs> right. As soon as I started, the thing shifted and the eye holes were right. open. I was trying to, trying to yeah. see. <laughs> Nobody remembers whether he got first, fifth, or last, but you know what? Everyone remembers he raced with that mask on. It was yeah. so you good. You see, things like that today in racing would, you know, there's one guy, maybe Sylvain Andre, according to the current, is actually the world champion from France, just a funny, good personality kind of. Right. Like you guys, but maybe that would maybe help more more of that kind of stuff, you know. Sure. Stuff, and if know? the magazines or social media played played that up, more, yeah, yeah, played that up more, they need more more personalities. But you know what? The fact that I've seen people running to the track, running the sidelines to, to go see you race because you had the mask on. Right. Right. That was just oh, good. Even though you didn't know it at the time, it was great marketing as well. You know, you got sure. a lot of, <laughs> lot of coverage. You yeah. know? That's not why um, we did it though. Yeah. You lost a bet. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on that um, kind of subject, Carl Olford, great friend of mine, former teammate, Carl, will get the joke when he hears that. He says, uh, why pink? Oh, man. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because John Gregory, a big man, six, well over six, big guy. He's the owner of JT. We were, I was walking the aisles in the, in the, in the warehouse, and he came out. and uh, I mean, I just love uh, him and Rita. I love them both. They were so great people. He came over, and he put his arm around me, and leaned down onto me. This big, heavy, big man just leaned down on me and goes, hey, Hollywood, uh, I got this new idea for, for a uniform. It's pink. And I was like, pink? And he goes, yep, and you're going to wear it. Right. <laughs> and he leans down on me a little harder, and I said, yes, sir. I'd be glad to do that. <laughs> and that's how pink. It was his idea, and he, asked, he just told me I was going to wear it. So, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We're on uh, and I wore it. I wore it once before Bercy. I wore it at the at the probably the worst place to wear a pink uniform. Gillies in, in Houston, Texas, at a rodeo arena. Right. And you know, if you want somebody to eat or drink, you had to walk out of where the BMX was over into the bar where the cowboy bar. Was. Right. And, and I walked in in pink. I was like, oh in the man! Mid-80s. I thought early yeah mid right. yeah, mid 80s yeah i thought oh full man. blown cowboy bar yeah. right yeah I th- and, and, and what i got was <laughs> you ain't from around here are you boy <laughs> love it uh you got a shout out you know we spoke about him earlier craig schofield you just want to say oh, big, big respect schofield big, yeah big uh, big respect for you obviously same same great guy uh, a couple of good questions here from Carlos Hughes. He always sends me good questions when I do podcasts. He says, uh, which was more enjoyable, Kellogg's or Bercy? 
both for different reasons. But I can't. I wouldn't pick between them all because they were they were both very unique experiences. And and like you heard earlier, just just the the people that you got to be with and the friends you got to meet, lifelong friends you got to meet, mm-hmm. were great. You know, uh, the, the best part of of the best part of Kellogg's to me was being able to travel on all around the country. Yeah, and meet so many different people and see different places. Don't think that model is. is... Ahead of its time, you know, oh, yeah. just what you guys did. It was a Supercross series in mm, one week. Mm, two races a day. and It was great. Good man, prize had, money, oh. TV. And spending time with Ruffle. Yeah. What else would you need? What else would you need? A new liver. <laughs> Another one here from Carlos. He says, which was the best bike? The Pink Hutch? RSR? What was it? RRS? Oh, well. Or the nickel-plated CW? So the Hutch, was that called... What? The Hollywood series, the pink, pink, purple, and light blue hutch was by far the best because that's the one that had my name on it. Lavender, lavender. Okay, so you use that one in uh, yeah, obviously in England yeah. as well. Uh, and and you know the, the CW, it was great because it was the first factory sponsor I had. And I never raced an RRS because there was toe overlap, and it just didn't and it didn't fit my riding style. So I never raced one. But probably, talk about a bike way ahead of its time. It was way ahead of its time. Still, there's still things that were used on that bike that aren't used in cycling yet, but yeah. should be. Yeah. Uh, Darren Pritchard, he says, did you do your own stunts in rag? Well, you guess you've already yeah, hit on that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do, do another again. one tomorrow. Yeah, 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 I'll do another one tomorrow if you want to pony up some money. Whatever you want, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good question, Sean Smith. Um, he says, can you ask him about, uh, I guess we talked a little bit about it, during the Kellogg series, what, what, what you guys weren't doing uh, when you wasn't racing. So I guess you've talked a little bit about that, hanging out with the other guys, the British guys and stuff. Yeah, but, like most of the other guys yeah. went shopping. Uh, and I, you know, we were also resting and washing our, it was raining, so we were washing our uniforms. Right. One, one day uh, on the second year, oh, the second year, it was the time that uh, Tim Judge and Richie Anderson when, Tim Judge was there once. Yeah, yeah, Tim Judge and, yeah. Richie, and and Tim Judge had taken Richie Anderson's girlfriend out on a date while Richie was gone at a race, oh. and Richie found out, and and I knew it had happened, and we and Tim Judge and I were in the room, and all of a sudden there was a knock at the door, and Richie Anderson was there, and he goes, and he he, he was already bright red, and I looked back and I go, Timmy, it's for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he had it coming. And, dude, they went toe-to-toe. Oh, I mean, wow. I mean, they destroyed the room. They broke the toilet in half. So they were wrestling? I mean, not wrestling, dude. They were. It was knocked down, drag out. It was wow. Bob Hadley came in, and I'm holding Hadley back. No, no, no. Right. Let, let, let him work go. it out. Yeah, let him work yeah, it out. Yeah. I had the best seat in the house. Right. And they literally, they broke the, the bowl of the toilet in half. You see, I never Just heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one did get out. That was gnarly. But, you know. And so Richie, that's what we did on the days off. Right, yeah, fight. And, uh, and also, I found it, it was too hard to get the uniforms washed all the time. So I put my uniform on, and I ju- and the pool was closed right. in the winter. So I just jumped in with a bar of soap, and I was washing my right, uniform. Right, yeah, the, the next thing I know, the window opens, and Harry Larry throws his uniform out. And I'm in the pool scrubbing his <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hilarious. Greg Sutherland, he said, "Those did those big tall CW bars have any extra pull, and would they work in today's racing?" <laughs> well, the best part of those, the best part of those bars, is it really held up the saber plate, right, to make it as aerodynamic as possible. 
Get all those co-sponsors on there. We'd have to those bars. Uh, he also just want to say, you know, another question, big, big thanks. You know, you spoke to him, uh, somebody he still remembers about, and you gave him some stickers, so big respect for that. Easy. Um, we've got another one. This is from Paul Roberts, one of my best friends, known him for a long time, came out to the U.S. I'm sure you know EC. Sure. He's, a big, he's a big EC fan. Yeah. And, uh, That's just, mutual, by the way. Yes, he's a good guy, and he's down in Huntington Beach. Um, Paul is, um, yeah, Mr. Trivia. He kind of remembers everything. Probably, I'd put Paul probably the right up there as maybe the best guy in England for trivia. But anyway, he says, uh, talk about his, uh, I guess you guys have talked a little bit about it, your relationship, mentor and EC, you know, CW Hutch. We've kind of touched on that. He says also, uh, life at Woodward. Well, we've kind of touched on that, but he also just want to say big thanks. Cool, funny, humble, great guy. Met him in Huntington Beach and, uh, yeah. big super fan. Yeah. Well, I can say this guy had a massive impact. I mean, Paul, I think Paul knows because he knows that I wrote for Hutch and the relationship we had. Paul's dad was the starter at uh, Slawilts. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had, uh, you know, Mike, <clears throat> when it comes to people in the industry, I would say Mike had the, probably the single largest influence on how I wanted to, uh, how I molded my career. Um, I'm, I'm not quite as uh, flamboyant or out there as, as Mike was. I wasn't as showy. I, frankly, I wasn't as good of a jumper as Mike was. Uh, so um, You're showy in a whole different way, man. But showy I, by the way you win and the, and, and the style that you win. Yeah, but, I, but I, always, I always remember all the times that he took when I was 13 years old. And at that race in Lancaster, we stayed at the same hotel. We happened to be at the hotel in Jacuzzi, and he took, you know, a ton of time just to talk with me and my mom. And then at the end of the race, I got the number plate. Those are impacts, dude. And I so as I was getting better racing in BMX and stuff, I, I never lost sight of that. I never lost sight of, I mean, I had a number of guys that I looked up to from racing BMX. But Mike was always the guy that I wanted to emulate. And how I wanted to, you know, I saw how people perceived Mike, how people looked up to Mike, and then what they thought about Mike. And so I always wanted, I always kept that in mind that I want my fans to think of me the same way that people think about Mike, which mm-hmm. is a great guy, always has time behind the start gate to sign an autograph, stickers, whatever. Mm-hmm. There was never, it was never like, get away from me, kid. It was always, oh man, I'd love to. And so. Hey, don't you have a sister? <laughs> but, but it helped it helped mold me right and and so it was a huge impact i still say how i carried my carried myself through my cycling career as a professional was a direct result of being able to to be on the same team with him even though it was only briefly with hutch that it was just a year but man i learned so much mm-hmm. uh and we were always you know i became his little brother that year and that after we split, Hutch went under and we went our different ways. That that didn't... We were That's brothers. never changed. Yeah, we were brothers. So uh, it was, to answer Paul's question, huge impact for me. Mm-hmm. Huge impact. And and I can't tell you how rewarding it is for me to walk around Sea Otter with him. And they think, oh, who's a fat, gray-haired old guy with him? <laughs> but to hear everyone talk about him mm-hmm. in those words. Mm-hmm. Think, oh, God, I can't believe what influence you are and... Mm-hmm. And how great you've been to my family, and to hear to hear all the things he just said be spoken from other people about him. Yeah, makes yeah. it. That, that's yeah, that's yeah. where the reward is because yeah. it comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. trickle down. down. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Thank you, by the way. Yeah, Craig Harvey. He says, uh, "How long did you actually Craig run?" Some, yeah, some yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of <laughs> questions on the stash. I want to skip through this. How long did you actually run the stash for? Oh man, 
until later than I should have. Well, right there. Well, you got it in the 90s, right, GT? That's, that's, he's yeah, he's, he's yeah, on free agent right here with it. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> one. 84, you got it in England. Yeah, yeah well, into, well into the 90s, and then... Uh, I, that's like a 10-year run. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't you, know why. I can't remember what the... what. I think probably some female asked me to shave it or something. I don't know why I shaved it. Yeah. But now I'm running facial hair again. Been running, racking a beard for quite a while now. Yeah, I see that. I think uh, Basta Beaver was uh, you had you had a big influence on him as well because he's kind of our European <laughs> Mike Miranda, yeah. you know, just in the look. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> uh, we got uh, Cass Smith here, one of my friends from the UK. He said, "Who was your toughest competitor?" Um, and he asked a little bit about the UK pros. We've already touched on that, but who was maybe your you know biggest rival? Or I would say I had a couple. I would say I had the the biggest one when I was first when I was first uh, pro first double A pro was Greg Hill, mm-hmm. and that's because he was very he was the winningest rider at that time, um, and he was tough to beat. And we had a we had a bit of a personal battle, um, and it was certainly more one sided than it was the other. Uh, you know, I, I, Greg asked me once. He goes, "Don't you think you'd do better if you took it more seriously?" And I looked back and I think, "Yeah." Maybe who knows? But I've had a better life not taking it seriously. I've had a great time, but my uh, my battles with Greg were were physical on the track. Mm-hmm. And the second was Ronnie Anderson. Right. Yeah, because I raced ABA. I raced a lot of ABA, and Ronnie raced. We we would go to the same smaller races sometimes because we're doing. We went we went to a lot of races. You know, when I raced for Hutch, I raced a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of weekends. I never hardly ever missed a race. It was because we were promoting. Promoting the brand, yeah, and uh, and I raced. It was a lot of times. It was just Ron, it was Ronnie and I and everybody else, mm-hmm. and the battles were epic. Again, physical, you know, on the track, bumping and grinding, and and Ronnie was Ronnie was super talented and knew how to ride dirty without looking like it. Right, good, yeah. really, yeah. And and I always, being the nice guy, I always had to be very careful. I always felt like I wanted to, and did at times but was very good at concealing it. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of secrets that I've never passed on mm-hmm. because that's not the kind of thing that I think you should pass on. Right, right. <laughs> but I figured out a, a number of ways to either slow somebody down. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, that, yeah that, you know. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I would witness Ronnie do it to other people. It's like, oh, he's in the game too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, cool. I, was, I was always challenged by those two more than anyone else. Yeah, he's a crazy Ronnie. Good guy. Uh, Leon Warravens. Uh, really? Fast. Leon? Oh, man. Fast. Dutch, the guy we talked about, the no. Dutch that probably never, most Americans have never heard of, but just fast as hell. Strong. Won a lot of strong. Won a lot of European hey. championships. And a personality. Yeah. I, it was too, I didn't know him as a, oh, as a person. He was great, a lot older than me. Great personality. And you know what? Told me one of my favorite jokes ever. It's much better with a Dutch accent, but great. Funny guy. Great. Right. And he's the Andy Ruffle of Holland. Okay, yeah, and I, I know he still races a little bit here and there. I know he was world champion 45 and over a few years ago, so still doing good. He just, you want to give a shout-out for when you came over with John Hutland, Andy Patterson, Kevin Hull, Scott Clarks, good times. Well, you know what? When, when I went go, you know, the Phil was super, he was big. He was the Gary Ellis, if you will, of, right. of Holland. But And Adi Van de Vel, great racer. But Leon was, could ride, mm-hmm. could jump, 
was strong, got good gate starts. Mm-hmm. He was the guy to beat, mm-hmm. really. He was the guy when I would look over to see what lane he was in. Yeah, he won a, a couple of European championships. He beat Timoch as well a few times. And we them. raced these indoor tracks. So the one I'm thinking of is Arnhem. We raced this indoor track. It was Everything was super Where tight. Where they put all the lo- on your logos, right? And they put tape on everybody's logos. Yeah. Soft that, track. That, I went over there one time. Yeah. I went over there one time for uh, for a Dutch company. And they paid me to come over. He was... We, we want you to come over for a weekend, mm-hmm. for a week. We're going to pay you X amount, and uh, you're going to wear our jersey and ride our bike. And I was like, for that money? Okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Come on, race for a weekend. Right. And uh, that the track was super tight, mushy, mm-hmm. but, and at the end of the first straightaway, they had built two jumps. There were multiple, you know, a single and a single. Right. And I kept looking at them in practice, and I was like, you know, if you really just really went at it and you didn't stop pedaling all the way at that first one, you could launch them. Right. And in, in the first moto, uh, thank you, Leon. In the first moto, I just got a whole shot, and, but it was close. And I and when everyone st- slowed down, I just kept pedaling and I jumped, and I made it. I made it over the doubles, right. and just as everyone was coming over the second one. And I remember at the finish line, nearly everybody was upset that I did it. Except Leon. Leon, and he defended me. He was like, hey, yeah, if you can right. jump it, you jump it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, light. oh, that's my guy. All right. Yeah. Nice one. Good guy. <laughs> okay, next one. Robert Hyde, my buddy down in Florida, British guy. He says, uh, how much Mola, well, we talked about this a little bit. He says, how much Mola did he make for making the movie rad? Mola, money. Mola. 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 Uh, you know, I don't remember the dollar figure, but you got paid a per diem. For, you got something for being there. Mm-hmm. And you got per diem. Which is, you know, you probably would save up, and then I, I got, other than Ho, other than Jose, not counting Eddie Eddie Fiola because he was the, the guy. I think I think probably other than Jose, I probably got paid more than Eddie and Jose everything else because of the stunts. Yeah, how long was you guys up there for? Three weeks. Three weeks. Wow, yeah. it's amazing. You know, I don't understand now to this day how when you're speaking, steam's coming out of your mouth because it's so cold. Right. But on the movie, you never see it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and not all of the stunts that you see, all the stunt crashes, mm-hmm. they weren't paid. They were called free stunts. Right. <laughs> like, like Eddie got a concussion going down the hill and just racked it. You know, he wrecks. And uh, the, the one kid that went out of the cereal bowl went right to his face. That was a free stunt. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jim Kramer. He said, um, he said, met you at uh, Big Wheels Bicycles in Anaheim. He just wanted to say, great guy, cool and humble. Shout out. Uh, another shout out here. Jeff J.T. Tollison. Sorry, Jeff. Oh, Tollison. Yeah, great guy from Minnesota. Great, fantastic wife. And, and now as a kid, she's ra- got a girl that's racing. Oh, nice. Doing well. Yeah. Just right those, show his respect. So you're always smiling uh, on and off the bike. Good See, guy. He's growing the peace supply. He's growing See, the peace yeah, supply. Yeah, like that. Yes. Bringing his kids. Um, you talked a little bit about the talk, but we kind of hit on that and the, the departure at the end. Um, it says Martin Parker, this might be a bit of a long one, but yeah, I guess you can make it. Sh- Mike, choose seven of the riders uh, from then on now, if he was on the gate with them, uh, who you'd like to race with. So I don't know, maybe seven, have you got seven current riders you would like to use? I don't think like? I could name seven yeah. current riders. Uh, unfortunately, I don't yeah. follow the sport yeah. that closely. But I can raise. I can name seven runners I'd like to race. Yeah, okay then. I'd make them all six experts so I can smoke them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> make them novice. Make yeah. them novice. Oh, uh, you know what? I, I don't know. If I could. You know. Certainly. I don't know. Right. I, I think. Of, I, you know. I, I don't think I could do it I, because the racing. I would. I would want to do it at Woodward. 
on the Vans Supercross. Vans Supercross. Yeah, the downhill. I would want to do it with guys that can jump, they can handle their bikes. Right. Because I didn't. As much as riding with them, I'd like to ride behind them and mm -hmm. watch them on film. Yeah, that would. But that's what I would want to see. Yeah, and you would. You would certainly be one. There would be a bunch of '80s dudes that couldn't do it, though. There'd be a bunch of '80s dudes that couldn't do it. A bunch of '90s guys that couldn't and do it. A bunch it. of '90s. Yeah. Totally yeah. man. Um, <laughs> well, there's a bunch of '90s guys that are smart enough not to. Do yeah, that. that's <laughs> a thing. It's not that you couldn't do it. You, <laughs> you could. Yeah, yeah, I know you where you're at. <laughs> I know you can. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Eighty uh, Warden. It says. Uh, who was his goat of his era, or goatess? Who was the greatest of all time? Who, who's the goat? Who do you think? Greatest of all time, goat and goatess. Well, you know what? There was a lot of, you know, the test of time. It, it's, it's hard to say that it's not, in, from my point of view, Stuart Thompson, because he was number one for so many years. Mm -hmm. he, he bridged three gaps. Mm -hmm. um, and... Yeah, it's hard to say not him, but but then because of the era, mm -hmm. and then if you go to the next the next one, there's in the next era, there's three guys that are equally right. Mm -hmm. So it, they split it up. Where Stu in his time, he was more of the single dominant guy for a long time. Right. Yeah. So I'd, I'd have to say Stuart for for me at that time. Gotes, that one's harder. That's I mean, really hard. that that's really hard because it, you know. Back in the day, there were some fast girls that won a lot of races. But for me, there's one. Sherry Elliott. Sherry Elliott. Mm. Yeah. And, it's, and it's not what she did on the racetrack. Is when I saw her riding the, at a UBR race in Fresno. Yeah. She was gnarly. Big air on a quarter pipe. Big air wow. on a quarter pipe. She always looked good in the magazines. Dude, she could she ride. She, ride she could right. jump doubles. And again, yeah. nicest person ever. Right. Super yeah. nice person. Went on like you kind of same time as you and did good in mountain biking. As I well, raced her, dude. I grew up having to race her, man. She raced the boys. Right. And and uh, I remember one time uh, we were at, at the Narler Park Long Beach race, 82, I believe. And uh, I remember Mark Perez. I was on the gate with Mark Perez. And Mark Perez was like, dude, she has not beaten me. She, and she was fast. Fast. And dude, she was beating us. With tough wheels fast. And she was beating us. And he ran her off the track into the hay bales, dude. <laughs> smoked her over the bars. And she was going to beat me. I, I, she was absolutely going to beat me. And he, he wrecked her. He completely wrecked her. Dude. He just ran her, got behind her, and just pedaled and ran her right into the hay bales and wrecked her. I was like, dude, Brutal. he was not kidding. He was not going to beat my girl. <laughs> I saw... I saw Jenny Dager beat Paul Gosrow in the trophy dash. Wow. I mean, they're fast girls. Yeah, out there yeah. were some fast girls. Yeah. I mean, Turbo was... Monique from Holland. Oh, Monique Fresson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah GT. Was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, she, she was, was good. fast. She won a couple of worlds back then, yeah. Only you would remember that American <laughs> guy. <Yeah. laughs> All right, next one, we've got Nigel uh, Beattie. Uh, he posts a lot of great pictures from the Ace from London. And there's a lot of British history, and they always post good quality BMX action pictures. BMX, you guys probably see a lot of the stuff he posts. Anyway, he says, and I thought this was a good question. Who had pink first, you or Greg Hill? Because both kind of the same time, wasn't it? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. I, I, if it was one before that, it was probably by one weekend. Right, yeah. Got it. Uh, Greg Frederick. He says, uh, ask him. Oh, oh man. What a he, great guy. Is he a good egg? Oh, all around good egg. All around good egg. All around good egg. You, you, I told you I was a. I, 
They well, called you that on the Kellogg's. They actually called you that yeah, on the Kellogg's back then. Um, funny story. So when I when I was at you know racing, I, I was talking from the sidelines. Eric Group and I would occasionally play golf, and I just had some clunky old clubs. And uh, I was talking to Greg Frederick's dad, Bob, who was just one of the greatest greatest sweetheart. And his uh, his dad was a golf pro, and I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And this is in South Park. And the next week, the next week, I get a box out of nowhere. I get a box of ping irons from his dad. Said these will these will make you a better player. And I was like unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's yeah. generous. I mean, really, yeah. a great family, great family. His dad was one yeah. of the best. Is Marcus? Because we got a question from Marcus Frederick. That's obviously his brother, then, right? I don't know. Because he says right after it, he says, "Ask him, did he get into golf?" So maybe it's... directly because of. Greg's dad. Okay. Well, his name's Frederick, so maybe and then, it's some related. I don't remember somewhat. Greg having a, a brother, Marcus, though. No, I don't. Let I don't us know, think. Marcus. Are you the brother of Greg? Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. son. Yeah. Maybe it's Bob Grounds. Dude, this is a crazy story. We're at uh, South Park. We're all on the fence. It's it's. Uh, I'm in the middle. Bob Frederick, Greg's dad's right here, and yep. Arup's right here. Yeah. And we're talking, and, and I'm kicking the dirt. You know, how you do like this, right? And we're talking about whatever. And I look down, and I've undug a golf ball. No way. Lord is my witness. <laughs> golf ball right there. And I said, I think I said at the time, you know the thing, you know, Mark's a good golfer. You can always find your golf ball. Oh, there it is. And I pulled it out. True story. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. And that's how crazy. you guys start talking about golf? Yeah. And, you know, wow, that's crazy. Last couple. Uh, we got one, Clint Pilko. He says, uh, Mike, do you want to elaborate on your endorsement deal you did with Velo 2000 in France? That comes oh, shell the money man wheels. <laughs> You sell some wheels? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I went over there for a, a, to race the French Championships um, for Hutch, and the local distributor uh, was a Persian family that uh, lived in Saint Cloud, Saint Cloud, and uh, I stayed with them. Uh, again, it's like being part of the family. It was fantastic, and uh, they had. He was introducing a wheel, a mag wheel, and he said, uh, you know. Will you will you take a picture with this wheel? Right, and uh, I'll pay you. And I was like, Well, you know the answer to that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I took a picture of the wheel, and then when he went to pay me, I said, No, I don't. No, 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 I don't want any money. So they gave me a video camera instead. I wouldn't take the money because his family was so good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and they had a son that was just like a, maybe a year older than me. And he was a player. And he took me out nightclubbing one night. Right. Oh, man. In Paris? It's insane. Anyway, we had a great time. And, and uh, I, you know, I never used them. I, I, I ever put them on my bike. I took a picture with it. Yeah, I was trying to think when I read this. Like, I can't remember ever seeing you with mags on. Yeah. Never. No, it was, uh, but it was, it was a great family. Again, mm-hmm. people in the UK were so good to me. You made a huge yeah. impact. I'm just, yeah. you tell us now how many times you came over for races. Like, I didn't know you went to France for that race. You know, it's like people kept bringing you back, obviously, for, for a reason. You hey, know? by the way, yeah. you know how I knew Lolly's number, name? He beat me. Oh, yeah. Well, Dude, he was good. Yeah, he was yeah. Well, I think he was maybe even French champion one year. Not that quite. year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that year yeah. for sure. Right. He, he, he got the whole shot. Yeah, lots of black. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He got the whole shot. And, dude, I tried, outside of just straight pimping him, outside of just straight T-boning him, right. I tried everything to pass him. Yeah. I couldn't get around him. Right. He was fast. Yeah, he looked like he was a singer or something, all that yeah. hair and stuff, you know. It's, and, uh, oh, yep. Yeah. 
Jean-Francois Lally. So you, oh, you're bringing out names that nobody else would unless you like lived in Europe. You, know? <laughs> oh, you really did remember everything. Okay, last couple. Russell Wait. Baron. What? Oh, oh, Russell the Love Muscle? There we go. Come on. Wait, I want to say one more thing about uh, France. Uh, Claude took me once on a, on a train trip to some BMX trails. And uh, I was that was the first time I saw that no, they have big... Because I always thought, well, if these Europeans would ever build jumps, maybe they'd get better. Right. <laughs> and, and we went... And he took me on like an hour and a half train ride. Right. We went with these kids. A, a, so, somehow word got out that we were going to go to these trails. Right. And all these kids showed up at the train station with their BMX bikes. And we took the metro from Paris, like an hour and a half away out in the country, to these BMX trails. Wow. And the jumps were great. Mm-hmm. We spent the day... We spent the day the day off jumping all day. Right, it was wow. great. Yeah, See, it's it such an impact you made on 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 so many people. Oh right no, then, the impact know? was yeah. for me because they took the time to take me out. But imagine yeah. even trying to organize that without social media or anything. You I know, know. No yeah. magazines or magazines that come out every few months. That's just word of mouth. You know, know. so that's that's huge. Yep. Um, okay, Russ, maybe good friends of you guys. Uh, Not good friends. Russell is my oldest, dearest friend. Oh, nice. I've known him. He, we've been friends longer than anyone else on the planet. Was he's, he one of your mechanics at some point? He was my mechanic. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 He was a mechanic for me for a year at Mongoose. R- Russ, when I would, sometimes I would come back from races, back from nationals, back from tour, and Russ would be at my house with my parents. Wow. Nice <laughs> guy. Russ, yeah. I think I met family. him when we came and rode your, you know, the first time we came out, we rode your uh, backyard, backyard and I remember yeah. meeting Russ there. Dude, yeah. Russ, after I moved out of my house, my Russ, he lived a, you know, just across the freeway from my parents' house. He'd go to my parents' house all the time right, and sit and hang out with my, go have lunch with my yeah. mom and my dad. Oh, that's just, cool. Yeah, he's super, yeah. And a fast racer, uh, totally underrated, and he's the one that told me, hey, when I, when I tried to race mountain bikes, he said, hey, you got to slow down to go fast. Right. And I was like, <laughs> oh, because he kept beating me. Right. You know? And I was like, he goes, hey, you got to slow down to go fast. That's cool. Yeah. His question was, anyway, have you ever been tapped on um, tapped with a flat shovel? Oh, son of a bitch. Did he whack you out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I came back from the right. So we had this. tap you. No. We, we, were, we would build. There was a track. We had a platypus track called Jones that Donnie Garrett's and his, his dad had a equipment. And we built this gnarly track. And one time I came back from the races because I'm big hotshot pro. I come back <laughs> to the races from, from the nationals. And, uh, and Russ is making a making a jump and I ride up to it and I ride over it and I just, you know, grind my, ah, this thing's terrible. What a stupid, ah, why would you even build something like, and as I turn all of a sudden, bang, full swing with a shovel against my thigh. I thought I broke my femur. Right. (laughs) But in our neighborhood, you don't cry. Right. And you don't, you just go, that didn't hurt. (laughs) And then then you kind of limp off. Yeah, dude, totally racked me. Uh. Well deserved. Right. I learned not to criticize his job. Still good friends again. today. He's my dear, oldest, dearest mm. friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. I love the guy. Yeah. Okay, last one here that slipped in. Somebody wrote this on the bottom of my sheet. Uh, Sierra. You know Sierra? Sierra Felton? Does she have a question? Yeah. She what was her question, yeah. Dale? She says, is Dale still wearing a shirt? No, no. He took it off for you, baby. You should see his rippling muscles. <laughs> My wife's going to listen to that. She's like, who the hell? What's going on? <laughs> oh, Good hey, stuff. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you giving us the time to do this. No problem. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah, let's closing words. Yeah. It's fun. I had a lot of fun. Uh, if I had some closing words, you know, I, it's been a blessed, charmed life. I've had my whole life. And what's made the biggest difference is the people in it. And uh, 
if I've had any positive influence, I hopefully it makes up for all the bad stuff I did. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been a great ride. It's been fun, and man, the the lifelong friends. Whether I don't ever see them again or I see them once again, if it's been six sixty years, it doesn't matter. It's, it's just it's that good. It's that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What a blessing. And we, and I know we just touched on you know there's so much more. You got so much more history and stories and. You should do a podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, funny, right? yeah, Eric and I have been contemplating doing one. So cool, uh, yeah, you yeah, should. Because we, we do have a lot of stories, so many that we didn't touch on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that we would, we, we feel like we could maybe possibly influence other people too down the Absolutely, road. Absolutely, yeah. Right? And uh, we both agree that one of the first people we want to have on is our good friend Dale Holmes. Oh, thank you. Because uh, uh, we, uh, it's, no, it's an honor to see you with you because I am envious of people with talent. And what you're doing now and what you've done, dude, you, I don't know if you know how influential you are. Influential you are. As, you, as you know, I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and yours is one I don't miss because uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great way to share information uh, and a great way to touch lives, and that's what you're doing. Oh, now. thank you, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. For sure, but yeah. but Dale was also, I mean, you know, with how much success you had, I mean, dude, a ton of success as, right. as, a, mm-hmm. as a racer. Um, you got stories to tell, man, and you're always sitting on the on the question yeah. side. Yeah, I enjoy being this side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we're, we're, you, <laughs> I'm scared. You're we're in gonna, the hot seat. I yeah. really yeah. got to like do yeah. a pre. Uh, yeah. you know, we're pulling you out of the turtle. Certain things are coming. You're coming out of the turtle shell, dude. I really yeah. got a lot of things in the closet. But, but I mean, <laughs> this, the stories. I mean, you have stories. You you when you ask questions uh, of your guest, often you have a, a lot of insight that you're able to contribute to it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, there's there's stories you have to tell as well. So, like you know, like Mike said, you definitely would be one of our our first choices. Well, I think you guys should do it. And I would love to uh, love to do it. I say I love your you know eighties and nineties our era because I love like I say yeah. the stories and I love stuff before me because like I'm I learned today some of the stuff that I didn't know. I love to right. keep adding to my nerdy BMX mind. You know, <laughs> the stuff that I don't already know. And I know you see so many great things always. Right. Great conversation. I'm you the know? same way, so, dude. I was. Yeah. A, I mean, I, I can still recall captions in in BMX action magazines from when when I was an up and coming kid aspiring to be like this guy and some of the other pros. And and I, dude, those were these were uh, you know this is I'm on this one and I'm probably in this one. But before I was doing anything at any level of success. Dude, this was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. These yeah. were these were Bibles for us. Mm-hmm. And you and you would memorize. I memorized the ads. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. It's uh, so it's it's amazing how how much of an influence the sport has had on us and, and the things that you can commit to memory. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things my wife asked me to remember. I can't remember, but I can still remember captions from 1980 right. action <laughs> magazines. Dude, I still find myself quoting. Yes. Who stew? Caramba, he flew. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Those same. captions. It's crazy yeah. the influence the sport has had. So, the stories and stuff. And um, so, I think that's one of for, for myself, and I, and I think I speak for Mike. That's one of the things we want to do is we want to we continue. It's kind of what you're doing, but we want we have we want to do the same thing, man. Absolutely. We want more yeah, of this, the more, the more of this information to yes. come out. More of our history. Yes. So many of the. New school BMX riders have no clue about the history no. of what our sport was, and 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 the forefathers that were before us racing, and even before you. 
Yeah. You know, they don't. They don't and hopefully you can help get, because I'm still, there's certain people that, that they don't want to come out, you know. And I know this, a lot of the 90s guys are very quiet. They're not online. and they're, right. But then I know there's so many great stories with a lot of people and, uh, you know, they, 80s they, as they well, may, you know, maybe even more. 80s and 90s, they may have things that they don't want to talk about, you right, know. Right. And, uh, and, I, and I understand that. So, mm. and, and a lot of people want to keep things private. Right. I, I get asked why I don't do more of the, the vintage BMX stuff. Frankly, it's not because I want to keep things private, not at all. It's just I don't have time. Right. Um, I, but if I have the opportunity and you're giving it to me, thank you, to share these stories. And right. But if we were to do our own podcast, it's just that, the, the opportunity to share stories and hopefully be a positive influence and grow the piece of pie. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Look forward to that. It was great talking, Mike. Thanks, EC, as always. Always. I think we're going to maybe tag up Rich Bartlett at some point. We talked about so <gasps> the butcher. Yeah, uh, that'll be great. great you guys aren't already going to do him, but um, yeah, thanks, EC, Hollywood, Mike Miranda. You're a legend. Thanks for that, and we'll catch everybody next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.